Welcome to another episode of Mormon Discussion Podcast. I'm your host, Bill Real, and I've got a special guest with me today. Uh, Steve, would you mind introducing yourself to folks? Well, uh, yes, thank you, uh, Bill. Uh, my name is Stephen Pinecker of uh, Mormon Book Reviews, a uh, YouTube podcast that I started a couple years ago. And uh, I, it's, I'm an evangelical Christian who's uh, never been a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints or any Restoration branch, but I've always been very fascinated in the Restoration. So that was the impetus of me starting the channel was to review the books in my bookcase. But it would later, it actually very quickly would become one of the top destinations for some of the top scholars and Mormon influencers in Mormonism, including in Christianity, as well as atheism, all branches. And so it's one of those just great little stories of this outsider who lives in Florida, originally from Chicago, who just always had a lifetime fascination with Mormonism and and uh, and just really like I'm, I like innovative people. I like people with original thinking and ideas. And so one of the things I try to do with my channel is there's all these self-appointed gatekeepers that basically are there to say, no, you're not acceptable. You're you're verboten. And so we're not going to allow give you a platform or we're going to make sure you don't get a platform. And so what my, one of the goals of my channel has always been to do a, do an end round around the self-appointed gatekeepers and give people who don't have the voice or the platform, give them a platform to speak. So that's why I have many, many people from some of the smaller branches of the restoration to come on to tell their story. And I hear back from LDS folk all the time. They're fascinated by hearing about all these other groups. But then I also find like maybe scholars who are maybe mavericks, uh, maybe have original ideas. And I get them on. And one example of that would be, of course, would be Jonathan Neville, who I just kind of found his some of his theses and hypotheses <laughs> to be fascinating. Yeah. And when I when when I first one of the first conversations I ever had with him, it was this idea that Jonathan Edwards had a very major influence. His writings and sermons had a major influence on the translation process of the Book of Mormon, which I thought was revolutionary and truly fascinating. And not only that, but I knew I was on the right track when shortly after I interviewed Jonathan Neville the first time, I'm talking with Richard Bushman off camera. And Richard Bushman, I said, what do you think of Jonathan Neville? And he says, uh, Jonathan Neville is a radical thinker in the best sense of the term. And so I knew I wasn't dealing with some crackpot here. I knew I was dealing with somebody yeah. who was doing some original scholarship. And that was that kind of leads us to the whole idea of this site called Neville Neville Land. So what was so fascinating to me was I do my first interview with Jonathan. I don't even have 100 subscribers. And this guy complains that I'm giving, I shouldn't be giving Jonathan a platform. Like even a, a little tiny YouTube channel that's two months old is almost, he almost implies that's that he doesn't even deserve that kind of platform and feels yeah. like I'm being misled by Jonathan. Well, once I got, I knew that, that Richard Bushman was on board, then I knew I was in good company. So that's why I continue to have Jonathan come on because he's just such an interesting guy. This is long winded, but I think just, yeah. just give some, some background on this. And let's well. throw, I'm going to put the first slide here up of the slideshow. Yeah. And so folks, this is going to be a different sort of episode. There are, there is something really unhealthy that happened in the apologetic world. So folks, if you're if you're tuning into this and you don't know anything about this story, this is going to be a little different format than what we usually do. And uh, I came to this situation extremely late. I wasn't even aware that these conversations were happening and they've been happening for years. And, uh, you know, I've been off in my kind of my facet of Mormonism, deconstructing troublesome history. Meanwhile, there are these two groups of believing Mormons that are battling each other. There's the Heartlanders, and they are the folks who believe that the Book of Mormon took place where the early Mormon history claimed it did, for instance, the Hill Cumorah being in Palmyra, New York. Today, the church uh, 
carefully words how it approaches this this issue, and it'll say things like Joseph Smith called it Camorra. It's it's where the plates were buried. It's where Joseph Smith got the plates out of the ground. But the church no longer holds hard and fast to the idea that the original Hill Camorra in the Book of Mormon is in Palmyra, New York. Now they're they don't say it isn't, but they don't say it is. And you'll even see in a lot of the church videos when they are uh, showing the Nephites and the Lamanites uh, or the Jaredites, they tend to show Central American type of uh, of pyramids or temples. Uh, they tend to show that kind of uh, uh, infrastructure, essentially, and and so there is some so there is some in the church, at least on what they display to believers and investigators, uh, to portray kind of a Central America setting. So there is the Mesoamerican setting, and this would consist, I think, of the majority of apologists, uh, including Fair Mormon, and including the interpreter, which is ran by Daniel Peterson. And so you have this battle between the Heartlanders, the folks who believe it took place in the Great Lakes region, upstate New York, Ohio, that kind of stuff. And then you have the Mesoamerican folks who believe it took place in kind of Central South America. And these two groups are uh, really strong about their positions. And so there's these really, even to the extent of being heated discussions or snarky discussions that go back and forth between these groups. And again, I kind of knew a little bit of that, but I didn't know the intricacies of these conversations that were taking place. And so we brought, uh, we brought Steve on and we're collaborating with Steve over the last uh, week or so. He adds a ton of value to this conversation and you'll see that along the way. And he really kind of has boots on the ground uh, interacting with all of this story. And so the first slide up um, and Steve, by the way, thank you for that introduction. The first slide up, is a picture of the Neville Neville Land blog. This blog was started several years ago, and the person who started the blog, his name is Mike Parker, but he didn't want to be known, so he went under the pseudonym of Peter Pan. And Steve, as you pointed out, you've been having all of these vibrant conversations with Jonathan Neville. He's the picture on the bottom there. Mike Parker is the one in the top left, Peter Pan, his pseudonym. pseudonymous uh, uh, kind of moniker that he goes by uh, just in a little image of Peter Pan there on the top, right. But Jonathan Neville, um, maybe say, you know, maybe say a little more about what it is about what Neville's saying that seems to have the Mesoamerica location of the Book of Mormon, those proponents kind of frustrated with him. I think it's not only what he's saying, but it's also what he's representing. So if you look at most of the Heartlanders, most of them are just lay people. Uh, your leaders like Rod Meldrum and Wayne May, they don't have like a whole lot of scholarly training. Uh, and Jonathan, he's a lo- lawyer by profession. But Jonathan is a, you could call him an amateur scholar, but amateur in the best sense of the term, because he is trying to, I think the main reason Neville Neville was started was that they looked at Jonathan as being a threat to their scholarly world. They saw him trying to bring scholarly rigidity to uh, and, and just doing better be- better scholarship to the Heartland movement, which I think for them, they viewed as a threat because they're the gatekeepers of a particular narrative within the scholarly community. And if they can they can dismiss Rod and all these other people, they don't know what they're talking about, but, but what Jonathan's trying to do is not only 
bring scholarly, he wants to mainstream it. He also, you know, also wants to kind of depoliticize some of the stuff that's happening with the Heartlanders because they're tied in with so many, they appear to be tied in with some right-wing groups that are kind of latching onto the movement. And Jonathan has expressed those concerns to me too. So here you have somebody who really wants to mainstream the uh, Heartlander movement and, and give it some more uh, intellectual integrity in regards to their scholarship. And I think that's what that's what really frightens them more than anything. And I, I, I'm just like, why wouldn't they encourage more better scholarship? Because that's that makes for a better conversation. But instead of encouraging better scholarship, they would rather attack Jonathan in, 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 and I feel very unfair ways. And they do yeah. character assassination. And we're talking about Peter Pan in particular. But there's a lot of people who do not like Jonathan Neville. Yeah. So so the Neville Neville Land blog, I mean, obviously, it's a play between Peter Pan's Never Never Land, right? And it's also a play between Jonathan Neville's last lane, not last name. And I would want to I would want to just say like both groups of beliefs, like the belief that the that the Book of Mormon took place in Mesoamerica and the belief that it took place in the heartland of the of North America are both believing perspectives. You can hold either one of those positions and be a temple-worthy, believing Latter-day Saint. And as you point out, Mike, under the, the pseudonymous name of Peter Pan, was able to say things with a level of snark or very closely, if not crossing the line, of personally attacking Jonathan Neville, his intelligence, and you know any of those kinds of things. And uh, kind of, in a sense, engaging in ad hominem, right? Like, Destroying the argument, not based on the argument itself, but on making fun of or or uh, attacking the person at the personal level. And so this blog gave Mike the chance to say whatever he wanted without the fear of what he said being having to be accountable to the things that that went on there. And and so that's a very important point kind of as we move forward. Anything else you want to say about this slide here before we move to the next one? No, I think I think we covered it pretty good. Yeah. All right, so now we need to just set up a few details. This blog post, um, Daniel Peterson. Daniel Peterson, uh, for folks who don't know, and most people will, but Daniel Peterson is kind of the the head honcho of Mormon apologetics and has been for decades at this point. And uh, not that he's chosen to necessarily be uh, the leader of everyone, but everyone seems to within Fair Mormon. You know, he's the one who started Interpreter. Uh, everyone seems to kind of point to him to kind of stand out front. He has his own blog, uh, Sikhat Nan, uh, and he had a blog post on March 6, 2023. So this is sort of recent, and we're going to be bouncing around time-wise, but I tried to put these in an order that it would make the most sense. The reason I picked this one is because he's telling us a data point that goes far back in time. And so on March 6th of 2023, Daniel C. Peterson said, up until about two years ago or thereabouts, I myself was unaware of the identity of the blog's proprietor. He's talking about, you can see in the, the caption at the top, he's talking about Neville Neville Land blog. He goes, I, I was unaware of the identity of the blog's proprietor, although I suspected that it was someone in my circle of acquaintances. At that point, Peter Pan identified Pan self to me. And sure enough, it was somebody that I knew. And so we just want to set out the data point that Daniel C. Peterson knew that Peter Pan was Mike Parker sometime around April of 2021. Anything else you want to say about this one? Yeah, covers it okay. pretty good. Mm -hmm. All right. 
Um, I don't have a date to attach to this, but it is quite obvious as you, if you would have followed all the interactions that were going on, that Steven Smoot worked closely with Peter Pan and also knew the identity of Peter Pan and that it was Parker. And that goes back a long way as well. We can, and we'll do that here later on, um, Steve, because there will be a natural question that comes up in one of the, the slides that we conversate around. But um, it should just be noted that Stephen Smoot knew who uh, Peter Pan was a long way back. Smoot has been behind the, has behind the scenes claimed for some time to know who Peter Pan was as well. That's more recent, but at least to note that that Smoot worked closely with this situation, uh, and it seems to go back quite a time uh, when he knew who Peter Pan was. That it was Mike Parker. Uh, any other thoughts on this one? Uh, do you want me to share? My interactions or not, not yet. Okay. Okay. Let's wait. Okay. Yep. All right. So here's where I want to introduce what happened somewhere along the way. And I don't, I don't have a a date in front of me, but it would be, uh, we'll we'll actually get to that because it's in Boland's conversation, but at some point here along the way, and, and by the way, while Peter Pan is the one, uh, who is running the Neville Neville land blog, at least according to Mike Parker, he's the one who entirely ran it. Now we don't know if some blog posts were created by any of these other folks, but I doubt it. And I'll give the benefit of the doubt here. So Parker's running the blog, but behind the scenes, Daniel Peterson and Steven Smoot are involved in tons of conversations where they are also interacting with the things that are said on, uh, the Neville Neville land blog, as well as, uh, engaging the arguments of Jonathan Neville all over the place. And so you can begin to grasp very quickly that there are a group, and we'll add a couple names to that too, as we go along, that there are a group of apologists who uh, are hardline Mesoamerica setting apologists who seem to have a very close working relationship and uh, are deeply engaged in Parker's battle with Jonathan Neville. Right. Would you agree with that, Steve? Absolutely. And, and okay. Peterson has frequently refers people to go to the Neville Neville land blog. Yeah. And uh, another thing I'll say about you, Steve, is Steve is considered among all the various facets of Mormonism, believing and people who have deconstructed and left. And again, Steve's an, a never Mormon, but he engages the Mormon space with scholars and authors and uh, intelligent folks who who are just kind of sharing new ideas. Um, Steve is considered Switzerland, meaning that uh, he's always been fair and balanced. By the way, I, I deeply agree with that. You, you've always been fair and balanced. You've always allowed people to be themselves. You've never, uh, you know, is where I tend to be a little more uh, polemic. I tend to be a little more uh, snarky if I need to be to kind of stand up for myself. You tend to be very soft and engaging, uh, very friendly, and and you don't really have a grudge with any of these sides. But this issue in particular you felt like it was time to say like, we've got to speak to what's going on here and um, what the apologist did. And I think we'll show that it is at least on some level, a collaborative effort. What the apologist did was they created an, a, a fictional African American apologist. They even gave him a location of Birmingham, Alabama. And um, we'll get into this, but, Mike Parker and the folks that surround him don't seem to see the problem here. And I'd like to lay it out here on the front end. And then you can just kind of the, the audience can kind of just feel it out as we go along. When 
one white guy or five white guys create a black man in order to provide cover for the things that they say. And it allows them to say unhealthy things about other human beings. And then the people who are reading or watching then want to point a finger at a black man that doesn't even exist. You are running into what I would say is the optics of race that doesn't look good at all. Um, and and we're going to show that on some level, these five men created and perpetuated Richard Nygren, a, a fictional black apologist in Birmingham, Alabama, uh, and as the author of the Neville Neville Land blog. Anything else you want to add on this slide? Um, I, just to address what you said, you know, I am viewed as a Switzerland of Mormonism, and I, I, I really try to be neutral and fair, but this, this, this was the point the day after my appearance on Mormonism um, on the backyard professor, where I started connecting the dots the day after and realized the implications of this very thing you just said. I was like, I can't believe they did that. Yeah. I was shocked. And it really angered. It was really the first time I've been upset since I started my channel. Yeah. So we'll go to the very first time that uh, it is mentioned about Richard Nygren. And it comes out of the mouth of uh, a gentleman uh, who his English name is Robert Boland. He is prepared to, I guess, accuse me of making a microaggression because I don't pronounce his name correctly. Uh, we'll see that later as well. But he also won't tell me how to pronounce his name, which seems like a very unfair game that I've been put in. But Robert Boland. Uh, is the first person who says it. And we've mentioned him before and showed this picture. I think it was at the time we were um, discussing Desnat on Mormonism Live. But on the left-hand side, you can see Robert Bolin uh, at LDS Apologist or Apologen. And he's got an image of Brigham Young holding a firearm. And he's not, it's not even pointing it at uh, ex-Mormons or anti-Mormons, right? Which you sort of can get. Instead, he says Brigham Young has a message for progmos, progressive Mormons. These are believing uh, Latter-day Saints on some level, and they're active in the church on some level, and he's got Brigham Young pointing a firearm at him. So if that's any indication of the kind of messaging he seems really comfortable with. Uh, it's also of note that he has worked closely with Fair Mormon. I've got an image of one of the podcasts that they did, a Sunday special with Robert and uh, he also uh, works closely with the interpreter. Um, I'm going to play the audio of him for the very first time. This is the very first mention of Richard Nygren. Uh, anything you want to say before we play the video? Well, I just want to say I'm friends with a lot of progressive Mormons, um, very good friends. And I, when I look at this image and I think of the who he wants to have that gun pointed at, I, I'm, I find that to be very sad and very unchristian. Yeah. Yeah, it's, super, it's absolutely offensive for sure. Um, okay, so here uh, is that video clip. And if you'll just give me a thumbs up as it starts to play to let me know if the sound is playing. Okay. And uh, we'll be good. Log, I should have mentioned uh, Larry Light and Truth.blogspot.com. And of course, there's also Richard Nygren's blog, Neville Neville-Land, a blog critiquing Jonathan Neville mainly, but also other her. Portland proponents, where he posts on a nickname, Peter Pan. Uh, Richard is one of only few African-American apologists in the church at 
at the moment, and he lives in Birmingham, Alabama. Um, so be sure to check those out as well in the uh, show notes. Okay, so, and it's important to note that nowhere else on the internet, anywhere, is is there a, a black believing Latter Day Saint defending the church under the name of Richard Nigren? This is the very first time that anyone in the LDS Mormon world heard the name Richard Nigren, and it comes out of the mouth of Robert Bolin. Um, any thoughts there before we move to uh, the next slide? Well, we'll just continue with the story because it just okay. keeps on getting weirder and weirder, man. <laughs> yep. Originally in Boland's uh, description of that episode, you can see there on the left-hand side, he, he writes out the exact same thing he just said. It also is note, we'll play it one more time later on. You'll see it again. But it's also of note, the person that he's conversating with, and we'll get to this later as well, more about him, but he's having a conversation with Spencer Krause. And when he announces Richard Nigren, Krause doesn't even, you know, he doesn't even, his face doesn't change. It's not like he's caught off guard. If I was in an interview and I heard for the very first time, and I'm deeply involved in apologetics, and I heard for the first time there's a black apologist in Birmingham, Alabama named Richard Nigren, I would have been like, whoa, let's stop there for a minute. Tell me more about this guy. Uh, Krauss doesn't do that at all. Again, in the synopsis, uh, Robert Boland writes, Richard Nygren's blog, Neville Neville Land, blog critiquing Jonathan Neville and other Heartland proponents, where he posts under the nickname Peter Pan. Richard is one of only a few African-American apologists. He lives in Birmingham, Alabama, and then he links to Mike Parker's Neville Neville Land blog. Um, All right. Then what we run into is that on Neville Neville land, and by the way, we should go back and just mention the date. So the date on this, um, July 9th, 2022. So the very first mention of Richard Nigren is, uh, just after the 4th of July, July 9th, 2022. Uh, so a little less than a year ago, uh, that mention happens, uh, immediately following on the 19th of July, Mike Parker, as Peter Pan, recommends to his viewers that they go and check out Robert's conversation with Spencer Krause. And he leads off this uh, blog post by saying, even though this interview goes into more detail about this blog than I'm comfortable with, I still warmly recommend it to my readers. And I just want to note two things. One, This is the first chance for Mike Parker to explain the Nigran connection and clearly articulate that he has nothing to do with that. He doesn't do that. The second thing I would note is that when you are reading the blog and you are following along all of this because you're interested, you're a believer in the church, you're interested in the Heartland theory, you're interested in the Mesoamerican, you're trying to figure out what's right and what isn't. When he starts off, even though this interview goes into more detail about this blog than I'm comfortable with, I think the by far the most reasonable, rational interpretation by the reader is that the is that Richard Nigren is the creator of this blog, and but he wasn't comfortable having his uh, his identity spoken of, but he's going to live with it, and he's and he's glad to send people to this video to watch it exactly yep 
Okay. It's, Anything it, else you'd want to say here? You could just tell by the way it's saying, like, if you're if you're reading this blog, you're like, ooh, I'm going to find out something about Peter Pan. Yeah. I didn't know before. That's yep. that's that's how a reader would read that. Yeah, I don't feel I don't feel any reasonable person. Again, we could you know go take a hundred random people, explain the entire situation to them, show them this sentence, and they would go, "Yeah, I would, I would then trust what Boland says that he wasn't supposed to say it, but that it is in fact true." Okay, next. So then, what happens is following Boland's reveal of Richard Nigren as the. owner and uh, operator of the Neville Neville Land blog on July 9th, 2022, the discuss Mormonism board is in discussion. By the way, I just want to note this comes in between that blog post and the conversation. So in between those two things, there's this discussion board, which is a very passionate, I, I, I find, and by the way, very intelligent discussion board. These folks have, I think, very high-level conversations around things going on in the church. They tend to be uh, primarily critical. Uh, it is a much more non-believing perspective, although there are believers there who offer pushback. Uh, but they are very involved in the happenings of Mormonism in all facets, whether it's the kinds of things we cover uh, Mormonism Live, the kind of things you cover in Mormon book reviews, whether it's the believing debate between Heartlanders and Mesoamerican theories, they're very involved and very aware of the information. They suddenly, somebody there listens to Boland say Richard Nigren and the conversation then unfolds. And so you see several mentions of Richard Nigren uh, in that discussion board in a particular thread. And so the next slide will be back to the apologist and they're acting in response to this conversation. Any thoughts there? No, it's just very interesting that, you know, Again, he's got this blog and, and, and this information's out there now and he chooses to remain silent. I just find that it's just, it's just very telling to me, you know? Yeah. And by silent, we're talking Bolin who refuses to say anything uh, other than, Parker, yeah. yeah, we on Parker too, to some extent until the very end here. And then they both, they, they want to talk a lot, don't they? Yeah. So um, after that discussion ensues back at, uh, Dan Peterson's blog, Sikaknan, there's an article, Archaeologists Reveal the Oldest Inscription in Jerusalem, a Canaanite Curse. And in the conversation, Peter Pan says he's, it's been, he says it's been some, I'm sorry, it's been a source of much uh, amusement. Uh, and what he's talking about, if you read the thing, and again, I don't, I don't have the print kind of in front of me, but um, what he's basically saying is watching all of these guys try to figure out who I am, who is the actual operator of the Neville Neville Land blog. It's been a source of amusement. So here is the second chance to clear up the Nigran persona. And instead, he is amused by the fact that he is believed to be Richard Nigran. He's also believed to be Stephen Smoot. He's been uh, accused of being Spencer Krause. And folks in that discussion board are trying to figure out who he is. They've been trying to figure out for a couple of years anyway. And um, and Parker seems deeply entertained rather than willing to clear up the issue. Okay, next one. And then further down in the same blog post, it's interesting to note, again, Peterson has already acknowledged he knew who Peter Pan was two years earlier 
And Smoot has also known for a significant amount of time. And then Smoot comes in and says, P.S., my understanding from listening to Robert Boland's interview with Spencer Krause is that Peter Pan is some fellow down in Alabama named Richard Nigren. But whoever this Mr. Nigren may be, I cannot say. I have never met him, nor have I ever corresponded with him online. And when you get to the end of the story, folks, if you want to go back and look at these slides, when you see them through the light of what actually transpired over the course of time here, you'll sense that these guys often carefully word their responses. They're playing games. And um, there's a, a there's a level of deception and dishonesty that goes on. So Smoot is giving weight to the idea that Richard Nygren is the creator and operator of the Neville Neville Land blog. And Peterson, who already acknowledged that he knew such two years earlier, is now jumping in to add value to it as well. He says, um, he quotes Smoot there, and then he says, I've never heard so much, so much as heard of him. I briefly looked for him online, but found nothing. I'd like to think that he exists, though. My bet is that he's one of my multiple personalities, just as you are. And he's saying that line because, again, the folks in this discussion board are accusing Peterson, Smoot, Kraus, Boland, Parker of having some part in being behind the Neville Neville Land blog. And they're trying to figure out which one of these guys it is. And, uh, and, and so Peterson's kind of playing into that, like, Hey, you guys have suggested it's lots of people. So it's, it's one of my multiple personalities, but again, he also gives weight to Nigren. I've never so much as heard of him. I briefly looked for him online, but found nothing. When you know, he's not real. When you know that Peter Pan is Mike Parker, there's very little use in looking someone up and trying to find them. (laughs) Um, but he goes, I'd like to think that he exists, though. You already know he's not real. So we're just playing games. So Smoot and Peterson both know Parker's Peter Pan both chose to instead promote a, the Nigrin narrative, giving weight to a fictional black apologist in Birmingham, Alabama, to give white to give a white apologist cover and anonymity. <coughs> Excuse me. Okay, there's also one other post I just want to note, and and I think as we get to the end of this, I I don't find much credibility in this, but I at least want to mention it because we want to put the full story out, and I want people to have enough information that if there are other dots to connect, they're welcome to them. In the Sikhic Non blog by Daniel Peterson, he has a post called Fear and Loathing in a Very Strange Place. Uh, this is the same blog where he talked about up until two years ago. I didn't know who Peter Pan was, but then Peter Pan made himself known to me. Further down, he says, I had never heard of any Richard Nigren until this allegation was first leveled, and I still know nothing about any such person. He is definitely not the author or proprietor of Neville Neville Land. His Scandinavian purported name, Richard Nigren, sounds about as likely to me for a black man in Alabama as Nordberg, the name that presumably uh, for slightly uh, comic effect was given to OJ Simpson in the naked gun from the files of police squad. And I just want to note here that both Nyberg and Nordberg um, are uh, white names. If you go look up Nordberg or you go look up, Oh, sorry, Nigren. I got the wrong Nigren. slide here. It was yeah. supposed to be spelled Nigren, yeah. but um, and I fixed it, but I put the wrong one up. So Nigren and Nordberger are both, both uh, Northmen Caucasian names. 
uh, Finland's, you know, Netherlands, that kind of thing. And if you look up Nordberg or Nigrin, you're only going to find Caucasian people. Um, I think there was one Asian on Google images, like four pages down, uh, otherwise entirely white people. And I, I just thought it was strange that Peterson was that Peterson was, uh, aware enough of that connection to make it. And that if we look at it, both names are Caucasian names chosen for fictional, uh, black characters. Uh, and in the, uh, Naked Gun series, Nordberg takes all the hits. Anytime there's people being shot at, he's the one who gets shot at, but he never dies. And in a in a uh, in a sense, Nigrin was also created to take all the hits. And I think it looks to be apparent up until he gets caught that they were going to keep the Nigrin thing going. Hence, he was never going to die either. And I thought that. That coincidence was striking to me. Any thoughts here? No, just very interesting the, the, how this is developing. Um, you know, I find it fascinating. And of course, we do have Peterson also saying at this point that he's not. So he's kind of creating some space there from this. I'm, I'm, I'm curious, you know, the, he's, there's a strategy there I'm sure he's employing as well. Yeah. Yeah. He's, yeah. He's sort of backing away from this at this point and saying like, Nope, I, I don't know this Nigrin guy. I know who Peter Pan is. Mm-hmm. And again, this is March 6th. So this is right at the time where, um, as we're going to see that Parker gets discovered. And so what happens is that, uh, Dr. Scratch, who is anonymous and no one has figured out, although Boland claims to be 99% sure he knows who it is. <laughs> Dr. Scratch has been anonymous and, and has been for years and nobody can figure out who this guy is, but he's one of the main participants in this discuss mormonism.com uh, blog. And I just want to say something about the blog as well. These are the folks who figured out the president Nelson airplane story as being highly embellished and essentially a false faith promoting story. Even though radio free Mormon and myself went on Mormonism live and laid all the evidence out. And I think a lot of folks give us the credit for, exposing the story. It was actually this discuss Mormonism board that cracked it. Hmm. Um, and they do the same thing here in this uh, instance. So this is the exact, I believe it's the exact same date, March 6th. So the exact same date that yep. Peterson comes clean and says, I've never heard of Nigrin yep. is right. the same day that on March 6th, this discuss Mormonism blog, I'd love to know the timestamps on when that blog yep. was published and when these guys uh, broke the case, but essentially they showed uh, Dr. Scratch was the first one said, I figured out who Peter Pan was. Peter Pan is Mike Parker. And he laid out all of the steps he used to get there. And the main piece of evidence was that Mike Parker left. He, he reused an old profile. He just deleted his name off of it, made it say Peter Pan instead but when somebody went back to the Wayback Machine, obviously Dr. Scratch, went back to the Wayback Machine, they figured out that the profile used by Peter Pan at the top and the uh, you know, the blogspot.com profile number that's attached to that was the exact same number attached to Mike Parker from years earlier. And so they figured out on March 6th of 2023 that uh, Peter Pan, the uh, founder and operator of the Neville Neverland blog is Mike Parker. Uh, and I thought, you know, that was great. So then Mike uh, takes some time 
to try to figure out what he's going to do with that. And the timeline on this is extremely interesting because uh, when uh, he gets caught there, he doesn't respond. Uh, he says he sat on it. We will see again audio later where he talks about he sat on it for a while. But really what he did was he sat on it until things started to make some waves out in the public space. This 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 discussion board, very few people even know it exists and even less people participate on it. it the things that get talked about there just aren't in the mainline conversation. But what happened was that um, Radio Free Mormon – and uh, somebody else, Maven, and I think a third person reached out to me and said, do you know this Mike Parker person? And as I was telling you before the show, Steve, I I was with Fair Mormon as a volunteer in 2000, late 2012 uh, uh, throughout 2013. And I knew that Mike Parker was one of the folks who was also a volunteer with Fair Mormon. And I saw his interactions. And I ran the Fair Mormon podcast in 2013, and we won the podcast awards, the national podcast awards in the in the receptions or the uh, the ceremony that was held in Vegas to celebrate the winners. Um, my name was announced when they called uh, uh, the representative of Fair Mormon up on the stage and gave him the award. He said, "I'd like to thank," and he, he thanked you know Bill Real and Ned Scarsbrick and. Uh, he named other folks, but they named my name. I was the main uh, person pushing their podcast that year, and none of that stuff exists anymore. They've removed all of it. But I bet 80 to 90% of the podcasts they did that year were things that I was the host of and and ran. I had seen Mike Parker's interactions. When I moved to Hurricane Utah, actually, when I started working Hurricane Utah, I moved to Santa Clara. Um we had an author in our store and I forget who it was offhand, but we had an author in our store. He wrote a book about Brigham Young, Brigham Young. Um, and Mike came to that uh, event and was having a conversation with the author. As soon as he walked in, I knew immediately who he was. Uh, I know Mike Parker. I, I don't know him intimately. I've only seen him once face to face, but I certainly know of him and who he is. Um, when this story broke and when folks had reached out to me, I put a post on Facebook reporting on the allegations that he was um, going under the guise of a fictional black man from Alabama and stuff comes from that. But I just want to note that it's when all of this starts to unfold. So for instance, this is another part of the story that involves you on March 25th. uh, Steve Pinecker informed his followers that he and Jonathan Neville would be on the backyard professor's show the following day. And Parker notified the host, Carrie Shirts just before showtime that he would be in the chat for that show. Would they be reporting on Peter Pan's identity? He had to have had the thought. Regardless, he writes this blog post on the same day as the show. Um, maybe before I read what he says here, would you mind just telling a little more of that story, how that all unfolded? Yeah, so what was so funny was the week before, on sun, the Sunday before, um, um, the co-host was Rebecca Biblioteca, and they were kind of joking, like, hey, we ought to have Steve Pinecker be a co-host because I won't be on next week. And so I was thinking about it, and I thought they were talking about Jonathan Neville's book that was ta- featured in the Salt Lake Tribune earlier that day. So I called up uh, Carrie as soon as it was on the phone, as soon as they were done with their episode, and said, hey, I'd like to be next week's co-host, and I think it'd be great to have Jonathan Neville to come on because he'd be an, a fascinating person to interview. So that was that Sunday, March 19th, that I get in contact with Carrie. Over the course, uh, I I did not know 
that this that 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 they had um, identified Mike Parker. I I, I literally was. In, I found out later that week, Carrie told me, he said, yeah, the, he, it's this Mike Parker guy. And I said, really? So I actually went on Facebook and looked up Mike Parker. I'm like, I'm going to make friends with Mike Parker. And then, you know, because I because I have actually made, I've actually tried reaching out to him in the past. So I thought, well, now I know who he is. I'll reach out to him. And then a couple of days later, I announced that I'm going to be co-hosting uh, with Jonathan Neville. And in my mind, uh, what happened is right before um, Carrie Schertz tells me earlier in the day, I don't remember the exact thing, uh, thing. I think he actually said before we were taping that, yeah, by the way, uh, Peter Pan is going to be in the discussion. I thought, oh, that's very interesting. And then, and then also he had pointed, we had started connecting the dots because just a few hours before this episode comes, goes live, this is when he announces who he is. He gives his identity at that point. And so I remember going to Jonathan Neville and I were sitting in there and that's the first time Jonathan's like, really? Oh, so he did out himself because Jonathan does not read this blog. I mean, literally people will tell him what's been in there every once in a while. I'll tell him. So he didn't, none of us even knew that this was happening. And what was so funny was I, we believe, I, I think if you connect the dots, it just seems like a real coincidence, a, a hot, you know, just a very interesting coincidence that the day he decides to out himself is the day that I, me and Jonathan Neville are coming on the show. You folks in the audience, you can, Make the draw the lines where how you want, but I think that it's not uh, to me. I don't think it's a coincidence. That, yeah, that you guys goes- were going on to the show, The Backyard Professor, which is a show under the Mormon Discussion umbrella that 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 I'm the executive director of. The host of that podcast is named Carrie Shirts. He was an apologist and one of the main ones in the early creation of Fair Mormon. Um, he was on the board of directors, if I'm not mistaken. He was one of its essentially its founders. He was a deeply believing, highly engaged apologist for Fair Mormon, and then he deconstructs his faith and leaves the church, goes silent for years and years. And then at some point, maybe two years ago, I reached out to Carrie, who I started to see was engaging the community again. And I asked him if he, and actually RFM suggested the idea, and I asked him if he'd be interested in podcasting. Uh, under our umbrella. And so Carrie Schertz, the former fair Mormon apologist who now is a non-believer who's runs the show, the backyard professor is having you Steve Pinecker and uh, Jonathan Neville on his show right around the time that Mike Parker has been exposed as being Peter Pan. And so it would be absolutely reasonable that Parker would sense that this conversation is going to, at least on some level, engage what's going on behind the scenes with Peter Pan being Mike Parker. And on the day of your show, he, he informs you guys the day before, or no, I'm sorry, just before showtime, I believe he yeah, informs you guys, in the day. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. He informs you guys that he's going to be participating in the audience and be in the chat. He's going to be in the live chat. He specifically yep. said he's going to be in the live chat. Yep. And just FYI, this is Parker's third chance to clear up Nigren, and he's exposed. Pan is now exposed as Peter or as Mike Parker. And so he has a perfect opportunity here. Having having everyone in the world has now access to knowing that he's Mike Parker. He has a perfect opportunity in this blog post where he unveils uh, the fact that Peter Pan is Mike Parker. He has the perfect chance to address Richard Nygren, but he is completely silent. 
I also want to say that very first line, I've been mulling over this post for some time now. The, that can only mean like the three weeks since he got exposed. That should not be understood that he's been thinking about revealing his identity for years because he was he was entertained and amused by nobody being able to figure out who he was. And so when he got exposed, again, I'll go back here. When he got exposed on March 6, 2023, from that moment, he's been mulling over this post for some time. His identity was recently discovered and revealed. He's speaking of that Discuss Mormonism board. Um, and again, he he now knows you guys are doing a show and he has a hunch, which turns out to be false, by the way. You had no intention of covering it. But he has a hunch that you guys are going to talk about it. Hence, he feels pressure to come forward, it feels like, right? And uh, he seems, because at every turn, he seems to be responding to what's going on outside of him. Um, who are you? My real name is Mike Parker. In this blog, you can, we'll link, I'll link all of these sources for folks to go investigate themselves. If you read this entire blog post, there is zero mention, unless he edits it from some, from some, some point going forward. There's no mention of Richard Nygren. This is his third chance to clear up the Nygren issue, and he doesn't mention it at all. And it is completely known at this point because he's even telling you he's Mike Parker. And I think it's important. Uh, okay, so it came out on March 6th. But this thing, I did not even know. I think the day that I made my friend request to Mike Parker was the day that I found out that he was Peter Pan. So it was not, it was known, but not super well known. This would have been like a major platform that would, would he would have thought this would be, it would have been his exposure. So rather than he wanted to kind of co-opt the, this whole thing and, 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 and re thinking that that's what that was, that's what this was going to be. And yeah. I, I'm pretty, you know, and, and again, we're, Jonathan does not, pay any attention to this guy or read it. I, I'm the one that tells him, and I don't even really read it that often myself, but every once in a while I'd check in on him and, yeah. and I was just like, I was just shocked. I, I was finding this stuff out too. And I'm very connected. I, I I know a lot of things and it was surprising that this information had been out for a couple of weeks and I didn't even hear about it until the week that week. So it wasn't too well known. Yeah, totally. So then you guys do your show. Yeah. And this aired on the 26th of March, 2023. Mike Parker has informed you guys that he uh, specifically Carrie shirts, but he's informed you guys that he is going to be participating in the chat of this show. He's going to be participating. I don't mean necessarily interacting other than he'll be there. He'll be watching the comments. He'll be observing. And he certainly has ample opportunity to comment and to speak up. Strange thing happens in the middle of the show is that a comment comes on the screen from Richard Nygren with a picture of David Chappelle dressed as Prince. And the comment is, do you think you will ever sit down with Mike Parker over lunch and be friends? And whoever this person is, and again, you, we can't conclude conclusively that it is, it is Mike Parker. But I want you to explain the context of this comment, why this person is asking if Neville and Parker will sit down over lunch and be friends. Um, and, and, and I just want to stay before you say that this is the fourth chance for Mike Parker to resolve the Nigrin collection uh, connection. And again, his identity as Parker is known at this point, your thoughts on what happened here. So this is what was so funny is I didn't catch it at the time when it was live. I actually rewatched the episode the next day. And, and I and I remember looking at the screen and thinking, oh, my goodness. I was like, 
that to me, as I so immediately, I made the connection. That's Mike Parker commenting as Richard Nygren. That's how I saw it. That was my immediate response. Now, I can't say for 100% certain, but if you look at the chat history, Richard Nygren is actually in, interacting during the chat as well. Yeah. So we have Mike Parker, who, and I didn't know all this. I mean, again, this is a lot of this information was, was after the I, I first figured this out, was he's interacting with people. Mike Parker said he's going to be in there. Why isn't Mike Parker going in there and saying, hey, who are you? Who's this Richard Nygren guy? We're interacting or saying something. It just seems to me, as you read this, this this to me appears to be Mike Parker's voice under the guise of Richard Nygren. And he seems to have some intimate uh, knowledge. Or if it's not Richard, if it's not Mike Parker, it's somebody that's close enough that they would feel they could ask, would you do lunch with him? Almost like asking for a friend, you know? So either it's somebody, but I, I, I'm, my, my hunch is, is that that's Mike Parker. Whoever this person is, why are they aware? Like, what is what is going on that uh, Parker or Neville would like to connect and have a conversation and be friends? Right. Yeah. So, any I, thoughts there? Well, it's interesting because I, I should have. I could probably pull it up sometime, but there's a part where um, I could tell there are times when Mike Parker is almost looking for affirmation from from Jonathan, like acknowledgement. I remember he had commented. Uh, when Jonathan Neville took a pro-vaccine position, um, he actually complimented Jonathan for taking that position because a lot of the Heartlanders weren't doing it. I remember, and just hit, hit me in my memory just now, um, is that he later would go on Jonathan's blog as Peter Pan and say, by the way, did you see my um, my post complimenting you? So I think on one hand, it just tells, it's it's just a, re, a little revealing to me that there's almost a sense he, he kind of wants affirmation from Jonathan in some weird way too. It's it's it's, it's very odd. I, I find it to be yeah. a very odd thing that's going on with him. The most reasonable explanation here is that this is Mike Parker or one of the folks around him. I think but yeah, it, even if it him, isn't. Somebody in the inner circle that knows, yeah. the, knows what's going on. Yeah. But no even problem. if it isn't, Mike Parker has acknowledged that he was in the chat Right. What better moment to distance yourself from the creation of Richard Nygren than to speak up when you see Richard Nygren put across the screen and everybody's talking about the comment? Yeah. Yeah. But again, Mike Parker is silent. So then as I'm caught wind of this and I put my Facebook post out, what ends up uh, happening is that uh, – Mike Parker gets word that I've got this post on Facebook where I am posting the allegations that Mike Parker has been operating under the guise of a fictional black apologist from Birmingham, Alabama. And Parker gets really upset about this. And he ends up going into uh, my former place of work. He goes into Family Pond in Hurricane Utah, where he lives. He lives in Hurricane Utah. And he confronts, he, he thinks I'm going to be there. So he goes in to confront me. I'm not there. They inform him that I no longer work there. I retired from there January 1st. But my son now manages the store. And my son said, hey, I'm, I'm his son. How can I help you? And we'll play the audio here in a little bit of the, of the main part of that. But Mike then uh, makes a bunch of accusations and kind of speaks uh, ill of me and threatens that I have committed libel by my Facebook post. Hence, he's going to contact attorneys. And my son gave him my contact information and said, hey, my, my dad's easy to get a hold of. Just reach out to him. 
So Mike sent me a Facebook message, which the very beginning of it is in the bottom right-hand corner of your screen. And the text messages back and forth between me and Parker uh, are here on the screen. I don't want to read all of this, uh, but I want to, I would do want to read parts of it. So uh, he says that you will not find such a claim from me on the Neville land blog or anywhere else online. Now we've already showed Bolin saying it. So the anywhere else online, as long as we can connect Parker to Bolin and that he knew about it seems to be false, right? He says on the thinnest of evidence, which I think as we'll see, it seems some level of deception here going on, uh, spreading false innuendo and gossip. I'll let everyone else be the judge of that. And then uh, towards the end, he says, I have nothing to do with it. I have nothing to do with it and have never claimed to be, to be Nigrin or anything like that. You'll be hearing from my attorney. He says, this is defamatory to my good reputation in this community. I'm not so sure of that. I don't know anyone named Richard Nigren. Now, that could be a carefully worded denial, but there's still dishonesty either way. He absolutely will show. He absolutely knew who Richard Nigren was and who created it and how it all went down. Uh, he says, a lack of honesty or good character on my part, if I don't retract it and apologize, we'll see who's has difficulty with their honesty and who's having a struggle with their good character, uh, maybe not being so good. He's told me to retract what I wrote and that I needed to apologize. Oh, I'm sorry. I said, um, no, he said, don't contact me again, except to tell me that you've retracted what you wrote and wish to apologize. Knowing you as I do, I'm not holding my breath. Let's see who holds their breath for who to apologize, Steve. Um, by the way, this is his fifth chance to clear up the Nigran persona. And with me, he's setting it up as if he doesn't have a clue what's going on here. Uh, any thoughts from this set of text messages? Uh, I think this is very telling of a lot of things. I th just keep on going. I think you're, yeah, let's just keep going with this. Yep. So uh, on March 31st, 2023, uh, at 8 a.m., I put my Facebook post out. At around 4.30 p.m., Parker went into my old place of employment, Family Pond, and he harassed my son who works there. He confronts my son. If he wants to confront me, I'm not there. He confronts my son, uh, harasses him, and says things about me that that you know, you shouldn't do, especially when the other person's telling the truth, uh, who works there currently that bill had approached libel. And unless he would retract his post and apologize, Mike would be contacting a lawyer. Uh, he accused me of calling him a racist, which didn't happen. Again, I was reporting the allegations. I said where they came from. Uh, and then I quoted somebody else from the discuss Mormonism board. It wasn't my words real. I, I suggested the racial optics didn't look good. And I posted a quote from the other person in reference to real uh, suggesting he was connected to Niger. In other words, when I suggested, and I want to say my name and because I don't know that everybody listening will know me because folks from the, uh, the debate between the Heartlanders and the Mesoamerica folks will be probably watching this. And then I, I also mentioned your name specifically rather than just say, you know, Steve or whatever, because there are going to be folks who listen to this on my end that may not know you. But in reference to my suggesting that he was connected to Nigran, Parker claimed to have, quote, no idea what I was talking about. So, again, uh, he has technically a fifth chance to correct the record in Family Pawn and still is denying it and denying it to the extent that he is pleading ignorance. He is clueless to what is going on. 
So now I want to start to set up some of the relationship connections. And some of them are actually, I don't, this is actually made weaker. It still holds up to be true, but I don't need it anymore because by the end of this thing, these two guys have spoken more and it becomes crystal clear that they are good buddies working behind the scenes. But before they had continued to talk, which I don't think was in their best interest, but they did anyway, uh, this was my evidence for Bolin and Parker being connected. And it's actually really weak, which is that Mike Parker donated to a fundraiser for Robert Bolin on December 2nd, 2021. 13 people had donated. He had raised 500 bucks um, total because I think we had seen this relatively recently. Anything you want to say, and I'm not, I'm not intentionally, I'm intentionally leaving part of the story out only because I want, you can tell whatever parts you want to or not want to. Yeah, this is, I just started snooping around a little bit and, and thought, oh yeah, well, we know now that there's been a connection at least since December 2nd of 2021. And he, I mean, he's one of only 12 other people uh, that donated. So he obviously has a close relationship and also get, has a financial relationship by donating to him. So I just, so, you, yeah. so obviously they have a long, and we're going to continue showing this as well. But yeah, that was my first bit of evidence that kind of clearly tied the two together with each other. And that's just it. Up until they start speaking more, because I think they feel like they're being, uh, the walls are closing in, right? Yeah. And they feel like they need to get their version of the story out, even though their version contradicts everything we've been sharing. Uh, we needed a way to show that these two likely were working behind the scenes together. And we didn't have that. This was the piece of evidence we were going to show, but I was even going to acknowledge if they hadn't continued speaking, that this was pretty weak, mm -hmm. um, that you would have to make some conjecture on some of this. But, uh, but, and again, we'll set up here, the other person, uh, Spencer Krause, but again, here's the image of Bolin. Uh, so I'm actually going to, uh, Check the next slide to be sure of where I'm at. Yep. So let's uh, so let's go back to that episode 15 on Robert Boland's podcast. And now I'm going to play the more full version of the audio. And this is also telling because Spencer begins to acknowledge some of the relationships he has behind the scenes. And when he mentions Stephen Smoot, notice the two of them laugh immediately together. Um, and so this will be, I think... Uh, helpful as well. So let's see here. This will be, I believe this one. So, um, Spencer, how about you? Uh, what got you interested in doing, uh, two reviews of two books by Jonathan Neville? Well, I'm actually going to pause it for just a second and see if it'll kind of correct some of that buffering. Cause the first one was just a little choppy. Uh, I know folks were able to make everything out, but we'll see if this helps it at all. Well, I became aware of Jonathan Neville a few years ago, uh, probably right when the pandemic was about in its beginning stages. And a lot of the odd claims he was making about you know, geography and uh, church leaders and whatnot. And I really got into responding to him back in October 2020 when he said... Let's do this. I'm going to actually put this up a different way. Okay. So um, this will actually play better. So let's see here. So, um, Spencer, how about you 
Um, what got you interested in doing uh, two reviews of two books by Jonathan Neville? Well, I became aware of Jonathan Neville a few years ago, uh, probably right when the pandemic was about in its beginning stages. And a lot of the odd claims he was making about you know, geography and uh, church leaders and whatnot. And I really got into responding to him back in October 2020 when he said that Elder Gong was deceived by the scholars because he cited in general conference how Moroni saw or Moroni visited Mary Whitmer. And I did not want to just sit back and let him say that. So I, I wrote a response. And soon enough, I, uh, when he wrote these books, uh, my friend Stephen Smoot uh, and I were talking about some of his uh, proposed ideas with Jonathan Edwards. And I just mentioned in passing, you know, I'd kind of like to see someone do a review of this just to see if he's being accurate with his sources. And Stephen said that I should. So I don't know if he, you know, was like trying to pull a fast run on me by making me read it or if he, he thought I would do a good job, but uh, here, here we are. And, he mentions his other book, A Man That Can Translate Quite a Bit, in uh, Infinite Goodness. So I figured it would just be best if I read both. And I was going to just write a single review, but it became far too long that it had to be split into two. And even then, it's still... Yeah, uh, it's about combined. It's well over 100 pages, but a lot yeah. of interesting material on various issues, such as the uh, translation of the Book of Mormon, and even the Isaiah variants in the Book of Mormon, and Jonathan Edwards, and whether or not he actually did influence the vocabulary and other uh, issues you want to find in the Book of Mormon. Just on the issue, um, for those who are interested when it comes to, say, the Heartland model of Book of Mormon geography and Jonathan Neville at all, um, I'm in the show notes, I will include a listing of the infamous Stephen Smoot's uh, reviews of um, the book by Hawking and Meldrum, annotated edition of the Book of Mormon. Um, which appeared on his website, um, as well as Spencer's blog, I should have mentioned, uh, latterlylightandtruth.blogspot.com. And of course, there's also Richard Nygren's blog, Neville Neville Land, a blog critiquing Jonathan Neville mainly, but also other Heartland proponents, where he posts on the nickname Peter Pan. Uh, Richard is one of only a few African-American apologists in the church at the moment, and he lives in Birmingham, Alabama. Um, so be sure to check those out as well in the uh, show. So they both laugh immediately when Smoot's mentioned. They they talk about working with Smoot closely. Mm -hmm. um, and again, if, you, if you're not aware of this space, if you get into this space, you'll realize that these five men are deeply obsessed with putting down the Heartlander argument. And multiple book reviews in Interpreter, multiple interactions on the Neville Neville Land blog post, multiple interactions in the... Uh, uh, or, or post in Peterson's blog, Sikhic Non, uh, with the comments that follow in those blog posts being, you know, these these three to five guys interacting in those comments. Um, you know, Krauss admits having a close working relationship with Stephen Smoot. Um, and, and again, it just gets worse as we kind of go along. Any thoughts on that video? Well, just also, too, he mentioned Spencer's blog, Latter-day Light and Truth, which is also another anti- a heartland is, and with a 
again, uh, specializing on it, on attacking Jonathan Neville as well. And of course, uh, Mike Parker or Peter Pan refers, has frequently has referred to that blog as well. So we just see this intertwining, you know, it's like. Yeah, it, it all kind of comes together. So uh, just want to note that the original blog post or the original synopsis for that video footage we showed you earlier, it mentioned Richard Nygren specifically. Yep. Sometime between March 7th and March 31st, and almost certainly after Parker was exposed, um, Robert Boland goes back into his synopsis and removes the reference to Richard Nygren. You can see it there on the left. Nygren is removed from the text synopsis, again, between March 7th and March 31st, only after Peter Pan is exposed as Mike Parker. If Parker was uneasy about Nygren's creation, why not ask Boland to remove it long before he did? This is a friend of his and a good friend of his other friend, Krauss, and yet his other friend, Smoot. If Parker knew Boland removed this reference, this would be yet another chance uh, to clear up the issue. And I just want to uh, say one thing. I, I know please. that the the day after the backyard professor episode which i guess would have been march 27th right um that that day i i took a screenshot because they even as of that day after he still had richard nigman's name in in there so so he removed it probably a day or two after that so now we've narrowed the window between march 27th and march 31st is when that reference was removed um, and you can see the side-by-side. -side. So the left-hand side, Richard Nygren's blog, Neville Neville Land, again, only at, one of the few only African-American apologists. He lives in Birmingham, Alabama. And then on the right-hand side, it's completely gone. They've taken it off. Still in the video as of, I think, yesterday. I didn't check this morning, but as of <laughs> yesterday, it's still there. Uh, but there's that. So now run us through here. This is a conversation you had with Spencer Krause where you're trying to see if he'll come on and talk about his work. Yeah. So he announced, so this is the thing, this is the thing, honestly, now I've had Brent Gardner on, I've made a point to have Mesoamerica people come on my show because I tend, tend to be a little bit weighted more on the Heartlander. So I've literally been reaching out to BH Roberts foundation to, uh, I've, I've been invited Steve Smoot. If you want to come on Spencer Krause, uh, he, he puts out this book. I thought, what a great opportunity to have somebody come on my show. Who's, can give the counterpoint to my Jonathan Neville interviews. I thought, and, and he said, no, he's not, he's only going to be doing, just recommend viewers to read the paper. Um, and you can always email me if you have any questions. And I thought, okay, so he's not going on any podcasts. I'm like, all right, that's, that's fair. And then a couple days later, a few days later, I don't remember, but it was in relatively short period of time. He makes an announcement that he's going to be going on Robert Boylan's program, which I don't even know if I knew who Robert Boylan was at this point. Mm -hmm. I thought, oh, that's interesting. So I actually, you want to show the other side where we're, or yeah. So then he says, uh, and I'm glad doing it. And then and I made a point. He said, of course, you have an open invitation to come on my program as well. Again, I've given open invitations to a ton of people, especially and people. And why from, wouldn't, why wouldn't, wouldn't somebody want to give exposure to yeah, their ideas, right? Exactly. And especially since he's on this, you know, he, he wants to, in his mind, he's exposing Jonathan Neville and all this kind of stuff. I, I give him, I'm giving him a much larger platform than what Robert has. And I said, I'm glad you're doing podcasts after all, because I was kind of calling him out on that. And uh, I was just planning on this going on this one because Robert is such a good friend and I want to support his work any way I can. And so I was like, OK, so this is because he's doing it as a friend. And I thought Spencer and I were friends. We were friends on Facebook. I don't think we are anymore. I think he removed himself as a friend. But I, I, I think 
I think I may have heard rumblings about this Robert Boylan, but I really didn't know anything about Robert at this time, other than he was had this podcast that Spencer was going to be going on. Yeah. Um, just to note, Spencer Krause says that Robert is such a good, such friend, a good friend, and I want to support his work any way I can. And he's the only work I want to support in terms of going on a podcast to talk about this because he's such a good friend, right? So then Krause kind of implicates himself uh, on a couple of occasions. Uh, this is one of his reviews. And again, you'll just see these guys can't, these guys are obsessed with Jonathan Neville and with the putting down the heartland ideas. So in the interpreter, again, this is a uh, online, uh, what do I want to call it? Um, periodical of some sort, an online you know, journal. Uh, journal. journal. Yeah. Thank you. Interpreter. Uh, ran by Daniel C. Peterson. He is the main guy behind this. And it's turned into, I think, a 501c3. And, you know, they they put out uh, a journal every month. Uh, but Jonathan Edwards' unique role in an imagined church history written by Spencer Krause. When you get to the end of it, he has an author's note. I would like to thank Mike Parker and Gregory Smith for reviewing an earlier draft of this review and offering helpful suggestions, as well as my other family and friends, especially my father who helped edit and offer clarifying remarks. So he thanks Mike Parker, first and foremost. Then at the end, I would also like to thank the pseudonymous Peter Pan, who offered encouragement as I wrote this review. And just to note, it deeply appears here, and again, I think we get confirmation of this later, it deeply appears here that in what Spencer would like to consider an article written in academia. I know there's, I wouldn't consider the interpreter to be an academic uh, journal, but Krauss would. And in an academic journal, Krauss intentionally splits Mike Parker into two personas and gives him thanks. Now, again, it's just an author's note. I don't think it's a giant deal, but it, it is a little bit on the, what I would call kind of unethical side of, carrying kind of this personal stuff into the world of academia as you believe it. Um, and, and to just note that he seems to be very familiar with both Peter Pan and with Mike Parker. Again, we don't even need this as we move along because in the end we get them telling us all this anyway. So a second article, uh, this is book of Mormon central, and this is an unfortunate approach to Joseph Smith's translation of ancient scripture and Krauss does it again. So now he's done it in a second journal that he would consider to be academic, even though not really. Uh, debating where Lord of the Rings takes place. Again, no offense to people who believe it literally, but again, for the rest of the world, this just would not be considered academic um, work. But in his author's note, I would like to thank Mike Parker. I would also like to thank the pseudonymous Peter Pan who offered encouragement as I wrote this review. Um, it feels inappropriate to have taken this game into journals and, and have it play out there as to give it weight. And the only reason to do this is to give weight that Peter Pan and Mike Parker are not the same person. That's the game he's, he's carrying out here. Any thoughts on these two entries? It was so funny because I, I, I remember I actually had a conversation with Jonathan Neville and I said, Jonathan mentioned offhandedly. He said, yeah, he, he actually, in, in his papers, he credits Peter Pan is help with helping him and with this stuff uh, and giving him advice or whatever. 
I said, really? You know, and so I, th- and he's, he's on the road. And so I'm like, cause I said, can you send me a link? And he's like, well, I'm, I'm traveling. I said, you know what? Let me look for it myself. He didn't realize it until I saw, I saw it at the same time. It was, I said, not only did he thank Peter Pan, he thanked Mike Parker. Yeah. And I was like, this is an academic journal. And what are the ethics of in a journal submitting false information information that's not correct or no knowingly putting out false information yeah because he we, we it's it, the connections right there he knows that it's one in the same person so that really weighed on me because i you know this is somebody who wants to be doing scholarship and i don't yeah. i don't know if most scholarly journals would have would have, i would think they'd have a problem with printing information that's not correct like this or or misleading at, at, at would you you know so that's that's how yeah. i see it especially since the head guy here knows also he admits to knowing way earlier yep you know a year and a half earlier that mike parker is peter pan so the owner of the interpreter daniel c peterson uh allowed this to take place and didn't stop it yeah that's the thing i mean what did what did these journals know and when did they know it yeah are they are they you know, I, we don't know about Book of Mormon Central, but we know there's a lot of cross pollinization. We know there's a lot of this is a relatively small. Yeah, group. I mean, Neil Rapoli is the is kind of the head of Book of Mormon Central, if not mistaken, and also Stephen Smoot plays a big role there. Um, so these guys are all kind of bump, you know, rubbing shoulders with each other, uh, and, and it should also be noted. Um, well, I was going to say there was another point that was going to be made. I'm trying to think offhand. That's okay. But it, Dan Peterson is the head guy at interpreter. Again, the other thing too is uh, this is, I think what it was. Neither one of these journals had been published when Peter Pan was offering his encouragement. And we should note too, as we get to the end, it seems apparent that these guys are also nervous about Kraus doing this because they say something about it and then they re they pull it, they, they remove it from the version of their video. And we'll get to that here in a moment as well, but it seems on their end, they're also uncomfortable with the full story here about Krauss's involvement. All right. Again, just to note, uh, you have on the left-hand side, the Neville Neville land blog where Peter Pan is highly recommending, uh, Spencer Krauss's work. You have on the right-hand side interpreter where Spencer Krauss is so, uh, infatuated with Mike Parker that he thanks him twice in the author's note. Uh, these guys are constantly recommending each other, uh, talking about each other. The only way these articles really seem to be getting any interest is that they seem to be kind of scratching each other's backs all the time and recommending each other's work. Um, but five guys behind the scenes in collaboration doesn't make a highly interested number of people that makes sense like they're they're kind of self-promoting each other and they're all connected behind the scenes but they don't want people to exactly know they're connected behind the scenes because none of that comes out until uh we begin to go public that we're putting all of this together all right um finally when that happens when you uh, anonymously until the show and me uh, publicly are letting these guys know that we think we've got enough to pin you down as having done this. Do they start to respond uh, and 
um, Mike Parker puts out this blog post, and I'm actually going to pull up his blog. I'm going to put that up on the screen. And uh, so there's posts since then. But if we go back to the one that I was showing on the screen, it's the Richard Nigren affair and some vile accusations against me. Excuse me. I'm going to make this a little bigger and so folks can see it. I, I don't want to necessarily read the whole thing, but I do want to kind of go through it. Sadly become necessary for me to publish the following recently, some thoroughly despicable and borderline unhinged individuals on the internet have been accusing me of being some sort of racist for purportedly pretending to be an African American name man by the name of Richard Nigren. You can read one such example of an accusation in a Facebook post, by the way, for folks who, uh, Let's not do that. Let's get rid of that. So I will, I'll leave that up there. Folks, if you want to pause it, make it full screen, you can read it then, and then you can return to our conversation. I'm not going to do that here, but that was my Facebook post that he grabbed. Um, And so he, again, he says, I called him a racist and he says that what I'm claiming is not true. Uh, And also just to note the very quote at the end, uh, I even source it there. You'll see it at the bottom. Uh, is the quote from somebody else. So those aren't my words. I'm just reporting on the allegation. Uh, it has So here to, here's the truth about these claims. On July 9th, 2022, Robert Bolin, who runs the blog and YouTube channel, Scriptural Mormonism, interviewed Spencer Krauss and Krauss's then recently published reviews of Jonathan Neville, Jonathan Neville's books, A Man That Can Translate an Infinite Goodness. About the 520 mark in the interview, Bolin plugs Krauss's blog, along with Richard Nigren's blog, Neville Neville Land, a blog critiquing Jonathan Neville mainly, but also other Heartland proponents, where he posts on the nickname Peter Pan. Richard is one of only a few African-American apologists in the church at the moment, and he lives in Birmingham, Alabama, so be sure to check those out. At the time of the interview, Robert Bolin knew my real identity. So we already get the indication that Bolin is an insider. Um, He only shared his identity with people he trusted could keep the secret, people he knew well, and people that he was working side by side with in putting down Neville's ideas and putting down the Heartlanders' uh, ideas. So he knew his real identity. I asked him about the Richard Nigren comment, and he told me that he made it up as a little joke to tweak the Heartlanders because of some racist remarks that had been published on the Firm Foundation's website. Richard Nigren is a fictional character. On July 9th, 2022, I posted a link to the Boylan Krauss interview. At that time, my real identity was not known publicly. So any attempt on my part to address Boland's Richard Nigren comment would have been untrue if I confirmed it or confusing if I denied it. Instead, I simply wrote that the interview goes into more detail about this blog than I'm comfortable with. See, they're rewriting the narrative here because if you're following along, folks, you can already see that there are multiple contradictions between the evidence that we showed earlier. I'm going to get my cursor off the screen there. Um, Between what we showed earlier and uh, what he's saying now. So these guys are trying to get ahead of it. They're trying to impose a new narrative but that narrative is deeply contradictory to the things that Parker and others have said prior to this moment. Uh, goes into more detail about this blog that I'm comfortable with. Regarding the recent claims about me, I unconditionally state I have never claimed to be nor impersonated someone named Richard Nigren, neither openly 
nor as a lurker on the internet. I have never claimed to be nor impersonated an African-American or any other person of color. I have never used a profile or avatar of an African-American nor a person of color on any website or social media site. Any social media profiles of a Richard Nigren are either real people. By the way, any Richard Nigren who's real is either a white person, thousands, white people, or one Asian. Okay? So any social media profiles of a Richard Nigren are either real people, real white people, and one Asian, who coincidentally have the same name or fake profiles made by anti-Mormon critics to smear me. Now, how does he know that? He couldn't possibly, just like we couldn't possibly conclude that 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 was him, he seems to know enough that that's absolutely anti-Mormon critics. Now, we don't know that. I have not attempted to shield myself from criticism or to prevent others from learning my true identity by doing anything above. I would call what he did at Family Pawn certainly to be contradictory to that, especially since we're showing that all of this is true and that he's contradicting himself in multiple places. This affair merely demonstrates how gullible some anti-Mormons are, how incapable they are of accessing evidence. Again, I, I, don't, I don't think so, Mike. And how quick they are to libel people with whom they disagree based on nothing more than rumors and gossip. This was one of the primary reasons that I chose for so long to use a pseudonym on this blog. I have little doubt that after reading this, my very online critics will claim that I'm still covering up the real story. I don't know that he's covering up the actions anymore. I think the outward things that happened, he's now owning. I think what he's covering up is his motives all along the way, and that can be demonstrated, and we'll point these out, that can be demonstrated by his dishonesty. He felt a reason. He felt, for some reason, he felt when he came into Family Pawn, he needed to distance himself beyond what the facts tell in regards to his relationship to Bolin and Richard Nigren. He says, I have spoken with two attorneys about the defamatory claims made about me. By the way, this comes right after I text him and say, you go ahead and get your lawyers. That allows me to subpoena everybody here involved. And I can't wait to ask all the logical questions that I'm thinking of. Um, he goes, I've spoken with two attorneys about the defamatory claims made about me. They both agreed that these individuals have written is repulsive. Two lawyers have gone to him and go, those are repulsive. But they also independently counseled me against taking legal action due to the difficulties of proving libel in Utah courts and the foreseeable expenses of a protracted litigation. I got to imagine it took him and his buddies half a day to put this together, to write all this. Um, my decision at this point is to simply try harder to understand and live the Savior's teaching in Matthew 5, 43, 45. He said, this will be my only uh, statement on the matter. Let me turn that off. And Richard the, and the Richard Nigren, sorry, so he says that would be my only statement on the matter. He crosses that off because, again, we keep saying more about what we're going to do, what we're going to show. And so he keeps feeling the need to keep shaping the story on his end. He says, I've accepted an offer to appear on a podcast to discuss this blog. Notice, again, he distances himself from his relationship to Boland when he does that, doesn't he? I've accepted an offer to appear on a podcast to discuss this blog and the Richard Nigren topic will probably come up. The whole reason for the discussion is so that we can have a 10 minute segment to talk about Richard Nigren. So I retract my earlier statement. I usually have more productive and interesting things to do than to battle with internet trolls. Really? You've been battling the discuss Mormonism board. You've been battling Jonathan Neville and his work. It's just not true to say that Mike. 
you're being dishonest. On internet trolls uh, typically are anonymous. That's how they operate. And that's what he's been doing is an anonymous troll. I also want to say too, just earlier, uh, you know, he makes a point. He says it would be confusing to to address the Richard thing, you know, more than uncomfortable with. What's more confusing than sending people to this thing and they talk about Richard Nygren, that's going to confuse the audience even more. Nothing. This is... Man, I he, feel was really entertained by, he was I feel entertained bad. by the confusion. Yeah, they thought it was funny. Yeah, and, and that becomes clear when you read all the commentary back and forth. Yeah. So afterward, immediately after publishing this post, a friend shared with me another Facebook post by Bill Real, again, myself, uh, in which he claims to have reached out to me, Stephen Smoot, and others to see if any of them wished to speak to us. But according to Real, all have seemingly instead gone silent on the matter Reels claims are completely false. I was the one who reached out to him by Facebook Messenger, uh, voicemail, SMS, telling him in all three messages that he had written about what he had written about me and was false and asked him to take it down and issue a retraction. He responded and we exchanged several messages. He ignored my repeated request for a retraction. It is completely and unholy untrue that I went silent. I have asked Stephen Smoot if Real tried to contact him and he has told me that he has received no communication from him. Um, Feel free to access to assess Reels' honesty and good character for yourself. By the way, I I think there are folks who love me or hate me, um, but I don't have a reputation of being dishonest. And uh, I may at times have my emotions get the best of me, and I may confront issues with some snarkiness. But I have a reputation of have integrity and, and honesty. And I don't, I'd love for people to point out where I've been dishonest. Um, I don't think such a thing exists. And we've explored Mormon history for a decade. Uh, that's just not anything I'm catching word of. And so I, I would, again, ask Mike to be honest. Mike, when you, again, we'll get through the end of this and you'll see the evidence, which is clear that you're not telling the truth at every twist and turn. And you're trying now to create a narrative where everyone else is the bad guy, but there's going to be some need on your part to own up to what's being shown here. And we're going to challenge you to do that. Um, so let's finish up here with the, with the slideshow. So uh, on again, March 31st, this is the thing from family pond. I'm going to see if this will, that won't play it that way. So we'll have to do this a different way. Let me, uh, so he accused me of calling him a racist, which didn't happen. And in reference to my mentioning of Nigran, Parker says, supposedly a black man. We'll play the audio here. You can hear it. Supposedly a black man as if he is clueless when he clearly understands his friend's creation. And he's now admitted. He admitted he went to Bolin immediately and said, what was up with that Richard Nigran comment? So he knows, even if he didn't create it, he knows who Richard Nigran is. Uh, he knows who created it. He knows why it was created. So why, when he comes into family pond again, we'll play it. Why does he say supposedly a black man as if he's clueless when he clearly understands that his friend's creation of Nigran claimed and, and he claimed to have no idea of what real was talking about only to later admit knowing completely. Um, I just want to check this, see this here. Again, at the time of the interview, Robert Bolin knew my real identity. I asked him about Richard Nigren's comment, and he told me he made it up as a little joke to tweak the Heartlanders because of some racist remarks that had been published on Firm Foundation's website. Richard Nigren is a fictional character. So here is the audio. So you're saying that he called you a racist online? Yes. 
Me playing the, I, I operate a blog and claims that I've been using a pseudonym, Richard Nigren, who is supposedly a black man that I've been claiming to be a black man using a black man. Oh. And I have no idea what he's talking about. I've never said anything like that, but he said some really awful things about me in his Facebook post and supposedly a black man that that's creating distance. I don't even know. I have no idea what he's talking about. Supposedly a black man. He knows it's a black man because Bolin told him immediately when he went to Bolin, he doesn't have any idea what I'm talking about. He knows exactly what I'm talking about. And here he is flat out lying to his audience in his blog post in order to cover, excuse my language to cover his ass. And he's trying to create a narrative where everyone else is the bad guy rather than just own up to what he did. Any thoughts here on that audio? Um, you know, I just, <laughs> when I heard that audio for the first time, when you sent it to me, I was just gobsmacked because I'm like, I can't, I mean, I was just, I was so shocked. I mean, I'm just thinking what in the world? I mean, I, I, I was speechless dude. I, as I am now, I, I just, the, just the, you know, I'm, and I'm talking as a Christian. These are people who are claiming that they're Christian apologists, and yeah. and and I, I, and they work for. I mean, they're there to defend the faith. And 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 as a Christian, I'm I'm I, it, it's I find it offend, offensive that they're saying that they're Christian apologists, and then they're doing these kind of things. I don't, and then go into your place of work and oh man, we can talk, get into that. But man, yeah, just just I'm very saddened by this whole thing because I really honestly was wanting to be friends with these people and, and work with them and, and have a good relationship with them. And, but there's, there's, there's these, these, they cross some boundaries here that I feel, yeah. um, I'm just really feel really bad that this, that, that they're doing this kind of stuff. There are people who highly depend on apologetics, Mormon apologetics to maintain keeping their faith together. And what Mike Parker here is indicating is there is a high level of deception and dishonesty that goes on in these circles because when you're even caught red-handed, instead of what you end up doing, what he's doing is he's making me the bad guy. He's making the anti-Mormons who created that Nigran persona the bad guy. He's making the Discuss Mormonism board the bad guy. And he makes folks like Jonathan Neville the bad guy. And rather than, again, the evidence, and we're not even done with it, the evidence is overwhelming that Mike Parker is lying and his 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 integrity his character it is deeply um not not just in question it is uh it is it is in crumbles and he now has a responsibility he can either just pretend that nothing's going on here and keep deflecting and distracting uh obfuscating the issue or he can come clean and go you know and and, and by the way I'll just say the only reason to lie is that you're deeply uncomfortable with what you're being accused of, which is now being shown is true. And that discomfort says something about you, Mike, that deep down, you know, it wasn't appropriate to participate in the perpetuation of a fictional black apologist in order to give your words cover so that nobody could point a finger at you. The, the racial optics of that are horrendous. Um, so there's and, that. And I just, I just want to say, I don't I don't want to go and say that they're racist. No. I just want to say that they're very, very tone deaf to not have picked that up, that all these white guys are in perpetuating this thing. It just it, I remember thinking about it as I was thinking about it. I thought they're 
they made, I mean, I, to, it was so shocking to me to think that they thought that this was perfectly appropriate to do, that there was nothing wrong with it. I, th- I just, I don't say they're racist. I just say they're highly tone deaf. They're, oh man. Crazy. You and I wouldn't have done this in a million years. Absolutely not. I couldn't imagine. I wouldn't Oh my have... goodness. Oh, and yeah. I want to, we'll comment. I'm, as this goes on, I'm going to give some more commentary on some of the, this, yeah. the stuff that we've experienced because it, it's really, but let's just continue. Yep. So uh, he says on July 19th, 2022, I posted a link to the Bolin Krauss interview at the time. My real identity was not known publicly. So any attempt on my part to address Bolin's Richard Nigren comment would have been untrue. If I confirmed it. in other words, if I say I, I, I am Richard Nigren, he would have been lying. He seems to have a problem with lying here. He has no problem coming into family pawn and lying about what his knowledge is of the issue. Right. Or confusing if I denied it. So if he says, I'm not Richard Nigren, that somehow is confusing. And I can't make sense of that, Steve. Um, We'll show here, but he's had no problem denying who he is in other places. Um, He has no problem. And again, I'm sorry, my wife's in the restroom using the hair blow, uh, the hair dryer. So there's gonna be a little bit of a noise, but uh, he has no problem denying, uh, that he's smooth. And we'll see that in a moment. He has no problem denying he's Krauss. He has no problem denying he's Daniel Peterson, but somehow it's confusing if he denies that he's a fictional black apologist in Birmingham, Alabama. That doesn't make sense to me other than he's giving protection to his friend, Robert Bolin. And he wants to keep this persona going. It's also of note that he says that he couldn't possibly come publicly come forth publicly to deny uh, to address this Richard Nigren thing because his real identity wasn't known, but at least on two occasions. And really it's more than that. If you include like family pond, for instance, he had multiple opportunities where after he had been exposed to address it and he still doesn't. So he's also contradicting himself there. Um, any thoughts from you on this particular claim by Parker? Yeah. I mean, I kind of talked about it earlier because I, I didn't actually see this slide. And uh, so I didn't realize you're going to cover it again, but yeah, that's, that's the whole thing is that, that it's, if, if you, if you're worried about confusion, then maybe you don't put that link on your blog for your readers to read. That's what's so crazy is, but he does. He, so that's, that, that to me, the logic, it doesn't make any sense at all. It's, it's that, that's very bothersome. And you, and he self admits earlier that he was entertained by the confusion. And, like yeah. it was entertaining to him. Okay, so uh, the Neville Neverland blog, notice this one. This is Mike Parker under the name of Peter Pan. Notice the first sentence. Now, I have no problem with using a pseudonymous identity to make critical comments. So he, what, and he's talking about Peter Pan, but it certainly applies to Richard Nigren as well. He has no problem being a pseudonymous identity, right? Notice here on the right-hand side, in his message board post that goes for rambling 3,400 words, he's talking about Dr. Scratch. He connects all the dots and triumphantly proclaims that I, Peter Pan, in M reality, Stephen Smoot. Now, here it is. Here's the money line. Again, this guy thinks it would be confusing to add clarity that he's not Richard Nigren and has nothing to do with that persona. But notice what he does with everyone else. I hate to break the good doctor. I hate to break to the God. I'm sorry. I hate to break to the good doctor, but I'm not Stephen Smoot. I'm not Daniel Peterson either. But we've been over that many times on this blog. And since we're on the subject, I freely admit I'm also not Spencer Krause. He has no problem denying he's three white guys. 
but he thinks it'd be really confusing to deny that he's a black fictional black apologist in Birmingham, Alabama. By the way, this is the sixth chance for Mike Parker to come clean and explain the Richard Nigren connection. And he doesn't. Okay. He says, I have never used a profile or avatar of an African-American nor a person of color on any website, social media site, any social media profiles of Richard Nigren are either real people. And I'll get, I'll say Caucasian people and one Asian who coincidentally have the same name or fake profiles made by anti-Mormon critics to smear me. Couldn't possibly know that. I have never claimed to be nor impersonated someone named Richard Nigren, neither openly nor as a lurker on the internet. So why did Parker tell folks he would be in that chat? But Parker never commented. But Nigren seemingly shows up and knows sort of the intimacy between Neville and Parker, right? And wants Neville and Parker to go to lunch. The same week as Peter Parker, Peter Pan is exposed as Mike Parker. And again, regardless, this is again Parker's fourth chance. And we we talked about that earlier. Um, the fourth chance. So even if he didn't create this profile, if I did not create the profile and I abhor it, the moment I'm in a chat where that comes up, I'm going to point out that I'm also in the chat and that's not me. But seemingly Parker is nowhere to be found while he's in the chat when Richard Nigren's talking. I have spoken with two attorneys about the defamatory claims made about me. They both agreed that these individuals, what they've written is repulsive but they also both independently counseled me against taking legal action due to the difficulties of proving libel in Utah courts and the foreseeable expenses of protracted litigation. Any chance we could have their names, Mike Parker, simply to verify that you in fact spoke to them and to confirm that they told you this. Cause my hunch is either this doesn't, this isn't real. It doesn't exist. Or these two lawyers are also apologists within the realm that Mike Parker rubs shoulders with. Uh, and this seems a bit strange in light of my notifying you that I welcomed a lawsuit just after you threatened it multiple times. I told you I welcomed it just as I welcomed the lawsuit with subpoenas that would come with it, along with your later words and the evidence presented here that clearly shows you wouldn't have had a case. So my text to him, let Krauss know that I sent him a Facebook message. We are not friends, so he may not see it easily and let Bolin know I emailed him. I have what I think is the smoking gun. We certainly are covering it. I look forward to your lawyer. I love subpoenas. They allow you to ask anyone anything. So then he says this afterward where he claims that I didn't send any messages out. He uses as his one example, Stephen Smoot, but I just want to make it clear. On the left-hand side, I have messaged Daniel Peterson. Daniel refused to even read my messages. You can see that with the circled red. Below, you can see that I sent, because I don't have any contact info for Dan or for Stephen Smoot. I couldn't find him on Facebook or anything. So obviously he's blocked me. Uh, would be my assumption, I guess. He blocked me. But Daniel Peterson, uh, I started off saying, Stephen Smoot, uh, I don't have a handy way to reach him, so please forward this. And Daniel Peterson, so I addressed both of them, and Daniel was supposed to forward it on. Daniel doesn't read it. He refuses. The uh, next one in is my messages with uh, Mike Parker. And Parker told me not to contact him anymore. That's what I, unless I was going to apologize and retract it. So when I say he went silent, so first off, Peterson goes silent. He will not read my messages. That's strange to me. Parker ends his conversation with me going, I don't want to talk to you anymore unless you're retracting and apologizing. And then I poke in one more time to say, I can't wait till you sue me. 
Parker doesn't want to respond anymore to me. That's it. Richard Nigren, uh, the top there is that's my email to um, Robert Bolin. And you can see that I sent it to the scriptural Mormonism at gmail.com. I also included you and Radio Free Mormons so that there would be evidence that I sent that. So you saw that when it happened. Uh, and then on the right-hand side, I messaged Spencer Krause, but for some reason, Krause, that red rectangle, this person is unable, is unavailable on Messenger. So I don't know what Krause is doing, but Krause will not take my message either. I made an attempt to reach out to all of them. And yet Parker, who is obviously in conversation with all of these guys as this is all unfolding, only includes Smoot because he's the easiest one to make a false narrative about that I'm not reaching out and contacting any of them. So I just want to note that, again, Mike Parker seems to be deceptive and dishonest in how he's portraying the information. Not a big deal here. Any thoughts here before I move to the next one? Yeah, I just uh, for people to know that he, because you didn't have the contact information, when you sent the information to Daniel Peterson, you asked, hey, could you forward this to Stephen Smoot? So you were making an attempt to yeah. reach out to Stephen Smoot. A reasonable attempt. There's no reason why Dan Peterson shouldn't read these right. and send it on. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I have never claimed to be nor impersonated someone named Richard Nigren, neither openly nor as a lurker on the internet. Um, this is the strange one, Steve. This is where we get to, uh, I think, a really interesting one. There is this moment on your show with Jonathan Neville where you reach out to Richard Nigren. All right, you ready to listen to that? Yep. Here we go. Platform. And then and actually, let me let me pull it up a different. Yeah. Yep. Let me do that. You know what? Would it be okay if I just took a quick bathroom break while you're loading this? And, and oh yeah, yeah. Go ahead. While I play this, that'll be fine. Okay. All right. We'll add that to the stream, and uh, here we go. In my platform, and then also I just want to address something. Um, there's another person um, who had quote, totally made up a quote. They literally put quotes around something I did not say. And this is one of your main people that criticizes you. And I even rewatched the video where he did it. And I said, I didn't say that. <laughs> and I'm like, how in the world am I supposed to think like if they're quote, literally making up a quote that I said, how am I supposed to? And, and that's my experience. How am I supposed to engage anything that he's posting in his blog? Now, Let me I do this. I, I, I have a fear, folks, that I may, by shutting off my audio, maybe that didn't play. Actually, I think it did. So let me just back up here. I can hear replay it. it. Gotcha. Yeah. Engage anything that he's posting in his blog. Now, I just want to know, I did reach out to somebody at the um, BH Roberts Foundation and asked them to reach out to this particular individual. Um, and I told him, and, and I even said, I just want to sit down and chat with him. Um, I, off the record, I just want to kind of see what makes him tick and kind of get his perspective for background where he's like, wh why is it that you spend so much time uh, critical of Jonathan and his work? And it's, I want to hear his side. And I never heard mm -hmm. back. So Richard, I think you can do a better job. Um, and please don't misquote me. Um, that's all I ask uh, politely, uh, that you just don't make up quotes. Uh, I'm sorry, Jonathan, I kind of got it. So, so I want to, I want to say what you want to say, but I want to play it again because you don't, you don't mention the Neville Neville land blog. You don't mention Peter Pan. You don't, you don't know it's Mike Parker at this point. Mike Parker is not mentioned. The only person you address this comment to is Richard Nigren. Exactly. And it was so funny because I coincidentally had just 
happened to catch a little bit of the Robert Boylan when he brings up Richard. So I wrote the name down. I said, okay, this is Richard Knight. Okay, that's, this is who he says it is. And I have every reason to believe that Robert Boylan's telling the truth. Yeah. And can I just go, can I, can I riff a little bit here? Please. All right. So I have reached out to Robert. I've attempted to reach out to Robert over the course of the past year. Cause honestly, I wanted to help him. I actually thought he kind of had a cool thing going. Um, the uh, Midnight Mormons, he has this clip on his channel saying the Midnight Mormons say he's like the best uh, Mormon apologist in the world. We're like, I want to talk to the best Mormon apologist in the world and I want to help him with his channel by pr- promoting him. You could talk to Mormonism with the Murph and many other people whose channels I helped grow. And I, I really wanted and I had people who personally uh, mutual friends um, who have personally reached out to Robert. And he and this is I don't care. I mean, honestly, I don't care. That's fine. I, I, but honestly, I, I, I just want to also show, and if you watch this clip too, this is a good-natured attempt, believing that I'm talking to a Richard person, to say, I'd like to talk to you. And I also want to reference that when I say, um, can, I, can I give a little history now about my, okay. So June of last year, I, I run into Steve Smoot, and I go to him and say, hey, about this Neville Neville Land guy. He, said, and he immediately says, I'm not Peter Pan. And he says, but I know who he is. I said, okay, tell Peter Pan, I'd like to talk to him off the record. I just want to have a one-on-one conversation. I said, I will, and just assure him that he, that I will not tell anybody, including Jonathan Neville, who he is. I just want to get back. I'm doing due diligence. I want some background. I want to kind of hear why he's doing what he's doing. I just wanted to, I, I want to understand because I want to engage all the voices of the restoration and his is a voice. And I wanted to hear his voice from him. And so he said, I'll, I'll pass that message along to him. Also, I'll, have, I'll let you know that in, in, in the summer of 2021, um, I was in touch with Spencer Krause. And we got a Zoom call because he had misquoted, taken some of my quotes out of context because he was running a commentary on Jonathan Neville as well on, on his blog. And I, I felt like he conflated some things. So I made some corrections and we had a really nice conversation. Uh, we did a Zoom call. And 45 minutes later, he cleaned it up. He fixed it. And I was like, cool. I, like, I was cool. Cool, Spencer. I was fine. You know, that's cool. But then I think what's this all comes back down to quotes. Now, it was a relatively minor quote that he misquoted me. But this thing is, is that if he had just given the context saying Steve had said something along the lines of this and didn't give quotes, that's one thing. But the only reason I even brought up the quote thing was I thought he picks on Jonathan for every minute little thing, jumps on him, jumps on him, jumps on him. I thought I'm just going to kind of have I'm going to good naturedly rib him. And say, by the way, you misquoted me. <laughs> and that was that. But I deliberately, when I did this, I deliberately said, I'm not going to say Peter Pan. I'm not going to say Neville Neverland. I'm just going to say Richard. That was, I made it a point to not even say that. So I wanted to be very clear that it was Richard that I was, was, was addressing, not anybody yeah. else. And I just want to explain too, because when I listened to this the first time, I thought, well, maybe Mike Parker heard this through the other person that you talked to. But as you point out, when you spoke to Smoot, it was months and months earlier. It was not about this correction at all. It was just you wanted to have a conversation with Peter Pan. And so when you mentioned that conversation with an earlier person, that isn't in no way, shape or form. Is that the possible way in which Mike Parker learned about the correction needing to be made? In other words, if Smoot is the middleman and he hears Richard Nigren, but he goes to Parker and doesn't mention that, that would give Parker a way to go like, hey, like that's not how it happened. Smoot said something to me. 
that's not what that's not what happened here. So right. when you mention that conversation, that is way earlier and completely separate yeah. from this asking to be corrected. So I'm going to play it again. And I want you to notice that the only person being spoken to here is Richard Nygren. In my platform. And then also, I just want to address something. Um, there's another person um, who had quote, totally made up a quote, literally put quotes around something I did not say. And this is one of your main people that criticizes you. And I even rewatched the video where he did it. And I said, I didn't say that. <laughs> and I'm like, how in the world am I supposed to think like if they're quote, literally making up a quote that I said, how am I supposed to? And, and that's my experience. How am I supposed to engage anything that he's posting in his blog? Now, I just want to know, I did reach out to somebody at the um, BH Roberts Foundation and ask them to reach out to this particular individual. Um, and I told him, and, and I even said, I just want to sit down and chat with him. Um, I, off the record, I just want to kind of see what makes him tick and kind of get his perspective for background where he's like, wh why is it that you spend so much time uh, critical of Jonathan and his work? And it's, I want to hear his side. And I never heard mm -hmm. back. So Richard, I think you can do a better job. Um, and please don't misquote me. Um, that's all I ask uh, politely, <laughs> uh, that you just don't make up quotes. Uh, I'm sorry, Jonathan. I kind of got Oh, that's when you're uh, mute off. Thank you. I do that. I do that multiple times during Mormonism Live. So um, <laughs> let me put this, the slideshow back up. <clears throat> you asked Richard Nygren to correct a thing. You didn't even say what it was that needed to be corrected specifically. Right. You didn't address Neville Neville Land blog. You didn't address Peter Pan. You didn't address right. Mike Parker. You just yep. told Richard Nygren that something needed to be fixed. Yep. And strangely, Peter Pan fixes it. Mm -hmm. So this is the seventh chance to explain Richard Nygren. And instead he answers a question directed to Nygren and only Nygren. So he had said that you said that this was the hour of Jonathan. When in reality, you had said the Jonathan Neville moment. And he put down in the bottom, this is Peter Pan talking, Mike Parker. I inadvertently misquoted Pinecker when I pointed, when I posted this blog, Pinecker pointed this out recently to Richard Nygren, and I've corrected the error. Although, to be honest, I don't see a qualitative difference between the hour of Jonathan and the Jonathan Neville moment, <laughs> November 11th, 2022. Um, he has another chance here to explain himself, but instead he answers a question directed at Richard Nygren. So, as we, as we, and and I'll say I, were kept putting pressure on these guys to let them know, like we've got you, we've got you lying, we've got you being dishonest, we've got you being deceptive, we've got you obfuscating. These guys kept feeling pressure, and they keep trying to address it. Peter Pan, aka Mike Parker, through his blog, and then we start to get some other conversations, which I think are really interesting. So I'm going to pull up, pull up those. Um, this is, uh, Mike Parker and Robert Bolin, uh, discussing, uh, the, this whole thing. Now, remember, this is like an hour, hour and 30 minute podcast, but you and I both know this was absolutely created to address, uh, Rob, the Richard Nygren. And so they form an entire podcast around other things and sort of, it's sort of the setup but eventually they get to Nygren. 
remember Parker tells his uh, folks to like, please, like you should check out this. I'm sure Nigrin's going to come up. Like it, it, you know, probably will come up, but you can tell by the way, the conversation is that this was absolutely part of the outline. And so again, it's just, it's a minor point, but it's another small deception to, to kind of create your own narrative where everything just ha- luckily happened. It just luckily happened that we talked about Richard Nigren when in reality, we know it was part of the plan the whole time. So let's add that to the stream. I really don't know. Uh, fair enough. Uh, so uh, to go into our final section, uh, Mike, have yeah. you ever been to Alabama? I've never been to Alabama in my life. I uh, never have. Sorry. Okay. Uh, I, we should explain the uh, whole Richard Nigrin affair. So uh, oh, do you want to get, do you want to give the TLD or before I can have, um, discuss what? how I came I, up with it or. Well, I, I can give you my point of view uh, and then maybe you can kind of fill in, yep. in the blanks. Uh, last summer. Uh, actually tell you what, let me give you some context and then you can go into where you came up with it and then I'll sure. And then, uh, and then the mountebectomy and I'll talk about what my reaction was to this. So last summer, um, a couple of interesting things happened. Um, uh, there was, I started to receive emails from somebody that I didn't know at my personal email address, me, Mike Parker, asking me if, uh, I knew who. Uh, Peter Pan was the person who ran the Neville No Land block. Uh, I didn't know who this person was, uh, and to be honest with you, it kind of it kind of freaked me out a little bit. And something I didn't address, and maybe I'll just take a, a few seconds. Sorry, I can be long winded, and I apologize to you. Oh no, it's perfect. Uh, at least we can cover like all the bases here. So you okay, know. Um, r- r- way back at the beginning of this, I said that I started blogging um, uh, under a pseudonym, and it was mainly a joke. It, it was kind of like, hey, this is funny. This kind of fits in with the whole theme of the thing. But it eventually became, honestly, a way of of kind of shielding myself and my family from, you know, I began to draw attention from certain people who were a little bit scary, to be honest with you. Um, and I'm not going to name names here because that's not, I don't want to go there. But there's... One person in particular, and then you know, a couple of others that have been a little bit more low key, but one person in particular who is just a little bit too obsessed and has been, you know, left some very, you know, kind of 15 degrees off center stuff on my, you know, comments on my website. And I eventually got to the point where I, I won't, I won't post any of his comments anymore because he's just so, uh, he, it, the stuff that he writes is disturbing. And so eventually this pseudonym that I was, operating under came to be a way of providing a a measure of protection for me and my family, because I don't want some guy to come knock on my door or show up at my workplace um, and, uh, you know, confront me. You know, I I don't think anybody wants that. So. I'd love some, first of all, let me stop and just uh, two things. One, I'd love some evidence that there is this guy who messages him really 15 degrees off center stuff. But second, he says that it became useful because he didn't want somebody to go into his place of work and to confront him. That's the very thing he did to me and his claims about why he confronted me now are being shown to be false. Do you find that ironic? It's unbelievable. I mean, he's saying there's this unhinged person who's 15 degrees off center, 
he's he's implying that this is a this is something the action of somebody who's an unhinged person would do would to show up at somebody's place of work, and then yeah. he does the the very same behavior that he's concerned about happening to him, and I'm like, I mean, oh my goodness, dude, what are you? <laughs> I, I'm I'm just I was just so flabbergasted when I when I heard this. I'm just like, I, do they do they even understand what they're saying? <laughs> <laughs> I, I yeah. feel really bad. I feel like I, I never would have in a million years would have wanted to do anything like this. But there's so much going on. And, and I want to address a few more things as well. But we'll continue with this because I, I just, again, as a as a Christian, it grieves me that other Christians. And, and by the way, for those of you who are saying, well, who are you? You're an outsider, Steve. You're not a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Who are you to come in as an outsider and talk about stuff that's going on in our church? And I said, well, you can't have cake and eat it too. If you guys want to be called Christians, Latter-day Saints, if you want to be called Christians, apologists, you insist on saying that you're Christians, then you cannot go to me and say, well, who am I to be an outsider to do this? Because I'm just a fellow Christian. Okay? So just keep that in mind as well. So a lot of this stuff I take personally because I have people who are claiming to be Christian apologists and they're doing this kind of stuff and it kind of makes Christians look bad. Yeah. We'll continue playing it. When we get to the end, I want to replay the family pawn audio and I want to just show them the text messages one more time. And you can just, again, flat out see the contradictions between what they're now saying at the end, because they've been painted into a corner, essentially the walls are closing in versus how they wanted to frame it in the beginning. So here we go. Last summer, I got this email from somebody who no idea who they were. They said, do you know who Peter Pan is? And I got to admit that I was a little bit kind of freaked out about this because they, you know, they're emailing me. So do they have some kind of evidence that it's me? And I didn't even know what was going on. You know, is somebody, does somebody hire a private detective? You know, that's where your brain goes with these things. I have no idea what this was all about. And, you know, I responded to him and I kind of denied it all. Just said, you know, what, what are you talking about? I don't know what this, you know, some blog, what, what is this all about? And, you know, that was purely a self-defense measure, a ha-ha sort of a joke, but also, you know, maybe a light way of kind of just throwing people off the scent. Okay. So about this same time, you go on an interview with Spencer Krause, you have him on your program, and I'll let you take over from here. And then I've got some follow-up when you're done. So what happened next? Yeah, sure. Just uh, as you know, like there was the context that some people, for, I think it should be known, like say, since day one, I've known you were the proprietor of the uh, blog. You told me. Um, yes. Uh, so, you know, I, I was keeping a secret, um, you know, which I'm actually good at. Day one. But it kind of looks like there's some... on the conspiracy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm a libertarian, what do you expect? Conspiracy all the way. But, uh, you know, joking aside. But there's a lot of heat on you, and I kind of figured, like, okay, they might actually find out it's you, and who knows what they'll do. You know, some you just need one unhinged nut job on the internet to like uh, destroy you. Um, but they will also, like, um, one of my colleagues and one of my best friends as well, Stephen Smoot, some people actually thought he was either Captain Hook or Peter Pan behind the blog as well. And some people actually yes. thought it was even Dan Pearson. <laughs> so I decided, yes. um, you know, it, it would be best maybe it's just like to make up the most random person for a Hurtlander to draw them off the scent, but to make it seem a bit plausible at the same time, just to see like, frankly, the gullibility of some ex-Mormons and also not all, but some Hurtlanders uh, as well. So I came up with the uh, surname Nygren because there was a fellow by the name of Anders Nygren who wrote a book um, 
uh, Eros and Agape that I read a number of years ago. It's a well-known book in theological circles. But I also was thinking like a first name. Um, and around this time, I was watching like a lot of like uh, Kitchen Nightmares with uh, Gordon Ramsay, and there was like this really uh, this there was this uh, girl from the south of, uh, of the U.S. called Rochelle. It's like that's a very random name, but I thought like instead like instead of going R- Rochelle, maybe go with Richard or some other male name because I think there's a rule on the internet if you don't know the gender of uh, someone you're interacting with, nine times out of ten it's male. I think there's something about law. Uh, of the internet there. So, but I okay, also. We're talking about Latter day Saint apologists here, of which yeah, 99.875 are males. <laughs> yeah. Um, but also around this time, uh, again, not all the lenders are like this. I want to make sure that's the case, but there were some pretty racist comments made by some of the more extreme Heartlanders. Uh, you've actually linked to one or two in your um, post about Richard Nygren. And I abhor racism. You know, this is not the whole, uh, I can't be racist. I have black friends. But, you know, I do actually abhor right. racism. I'm pretty consistent about that. So I decided, like, okay, that's going to make this guy a black guy. But to make it plausible, give him, like, a specific location where he lived in. And I just randomly picked Birmingham, Alabama. Because, of course, Alabama is in the Bible Belt. I think it sided with the uh, South uh, during the U.S. Uh, Civil War. So it makes it a real random thing as well. So for 15 seconds, I kind of mentioned uh, the Neville Neville Land blog, which is run by Richard Nygren the, uh, of Birmingham, Alabama, one of only a few African-American apologists in the church. Just, just to throw them off the scent of you and Smoot and Peterson, although Smoot and Peterson have nothing to do with the blog. Um, and just, just to troll them, but also make it plausible where they actually would think there was a Richard Nygren. And it seemed like some, including Neville, actually seemed to have believed there was indeed a Richard Nygren. On a certain discussion forum, there was like some post was like, who is this Richard Nygren fellow? You know, yes. uh, and they were looking for Richard Nygren in Birmingham, Alabama. It, it was a troll. It was a um, spoof. That's all it is. Yes. And I trained the fact he was African-American or black just to like really offset some of the more extreme racist aspects and segments of the Heartland movement as well. Because again, it kind of uh, fermented around that time as well. So there was some contemporary currency just to trigger them a bit more. So, yeah. and, and I think like one of the most disingenuous things is like, you know, uh, this is a racist thing. How dare these white apologists um, invent a black guy? But there was a, ra- there was a reason for it. Um, it was just to trigger racists. <laughs> so uh, yeah. there you go. Uh, that, that's basically the TLDR, but I'm kind of amazed. So this is about half over. We'll play the rest of it because um, he goes into more details. But he admits that he saw that there was pressure on Parker and that someone was going to figure it out. But now he changes his story and he says, I did it just to make fun of racism in the Heartlanders. And if you pick up on that, you recognize that he's contradicting himself because he doesn't want to say the thing which he said originally, which is true, but he said it. Uh, there's the idea of there's a thing called the criterion of embarrassment, where when you say something that's embarrassing to you, you can almost trust that it's true. And in the beginning of this conversation, if, we, if people are welcome to just rewind it and play it again, I don't want to play it again here. But he says that he saw that Mike Parker was beginning to get a lot of pressure on him and that he, he, people were going to figure it out. And so he's acknowledging, because he's trying to address a different point, he's acknowledging that he created Richard Nygren to create cover for Mike Parker. But now, when he's addressing the specific motive, now his story changes. And he's saying he was doing it to poke fun at the racism among the Heartlanders. And I'm sorry, Robert, 
but you don't get to have it both ways. And because one of those ways is embarrassing and both came out of your mouth, the embarrassing one is assuredly the more honest answer. Um, anyway, anything from you? Otherwise, I'll keep playing. Well, I just want to say this is the other thing. I could never imagine a scenario in which I'm going to turn the camera on for my podcast and I'm going to deliberately talk about disingenuous. I'm going to deliberately lie to my audience. I'm not, I'm going to mislead them because they're going to troll, whatever you're misleading your audience. You're giving them bad information. You are, you are literally making up somebody and, and, and you're making it up to your audience. And I imagine that they must have even probably thought it was pretty funny when I said Richard on the show. So then not only that, but you allowed me to utter something that was a lie. So now you've hurt my reputation because I pass along false information on my channel. See, this is the code of conduct for podcasters. Podcasters, You don't lie to your audience. You don't mislead your audience. You don't mislead other podcasters. You, you, you gotta be a, you gotta be a straight shooter. And that, that's, that's so important in this, in this industry is you got to be authentic and transparent and, and and honest with your audience. Yeah. And 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 for he you broke the card one of the cardinal rules. I said actually there's there's one there's now two cardinal rules of, of Mormon podcasting. One, um, the unforgivable sin in, in Mormon podcasting is that you're a podcaster and you make Mormonism boring. That that's an unforgivable sin. The second unforgivable sin is that you lie to your audience. Yeah. You mislead your audience. And that's what I, that's what I, that's what really hurts me. Cause on one hand, I was rooting for Robert. I don't know why he didn't want to, that's fine. He didn't want to talk to me. That's fine. But honestly, I wonder if I had taken him under my wing, like I've done other podcasters, perhaps he would have gone a different direction than he went with this. Yeah. Because to me, I mean, I, it, I wouldn't even have to tell the rules about you. It's just common sense. You don't mislead your audience. And he did. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up because I think what these guys fail to realize at every turn and it's really killing them because when people see this, it's really part of the crux of the issue. The The racial optics are, are its own thing. But when you are dishonest in a way that you keep perpetuating something untrue is true, and then you keep creating a narrative to cover your ass that also is contradicted by the truth and the evidence that's being shown, you are portraying a story that is confusing to everyone who's listening and watching and anyone who's listening and watching is if they trust you, if they go like, Hey, I, I like Mike Parker and I'm going to trust him. I like Peter Pan. I'm going to trust him. I like Robert Boland. I'm going to trust him. What you're, what you've done is you've shown that you're not trustable. It's not just you're playing a game behind the scenes. Ha ha. We got Dr. Scratch. It's that you used your audience to do it. You portrayed your story and the facts in such a way that you misled everybody who was watching and listening. So it's not just the racial optics, which again is its own issue and is serious. And it really requires you guys to acknowledge that you you messed up and that you you sincerely owe several groups of people an apology, but most specifically, you certainly owe people of color an apology. But you also owe your audience an apology because you're lying to them and you perpetuated lies and you allowed your audience to continue going through time, believing something that wasn't true in order for you to play a game behind the scenes. And you went into family pawn 
and you attacked me in ways that were not truthful. We'll play it again here, but you're now in this video, you're admitting this full interaction where Robert knows from day one that Peter Pan is Mike Parker and Krauss is uh, thanking two people in his reviews and Peterson and Smoot know it's Mike Parker, but they're giving cover to who it is. And then you have the gall to come into Family Pond and to confront, again, you're so afraid of being confronted at your own work that you go under Peter Pan, but you have no problem in a deceptive, dishonest way coming into my former place of employment, thinking you're going to find me there and going to confront me. The reality is you begin to get nervous that people were figuring out that you had either created or perpetuated at the very least the idea of Richard Nigren. And you did it because it was entertaining to you to keep your identity unknown from all these folks. And Robert Boland at the beginning of this conversation said that he saw you were about to get figured out and that's why he did it. And now he's changing his story. Guys, the lies have to stop. Your character and integrity have deeply suffered in this fiasco. Anyone who knows this story from here on forward will not allow you to impose that you're a good person with good character who tells the truth. You have covered your ass at every turn and you have done it at the expense of trying to go after Bill real falsely. You've done it at the expense of lying to your audience, and you've done it at the expense of putting a uh, person of color who is fiction responsible for your words in a, in a climate in this country that cannot allow that to sit still and be and be and to have happened. You owe multiple apologies, and we'll see, because you've accused me of being the kind of guy who doesn't say I'm sorry. Let's see if you're the kind of guys who say you're sorry. And acknowledge all the hurt and pain you've done and completely come clean about all of this. And I, I gamble a little bit and I'm pretty sure I know which one's the safe bet. We'll see if you guys prove me wrong. Um, all right. I'll finish the video. Anything else you want to say before I do? No, let's, let's continue. Okay. How, especially in the last couple of weeks, um, it's kind of um, being blown overboard, especially by a certain uh, individual. I'm not sure if we should name his name and a uh, fellow who currently lives in Germany, who's obsessed with um, Dan Peterson as well, uh, who's pretty active in Reddit as well. So, um, oh, really? Yeah, there okay. you go. I, I, yeah, that, I know who Mr. Scratchies. Oh, oh, you do? Uh, oh, I, you got to tell me who that is off air. I'd be very interested to know who uh, I'm like who 99% okay. confident I know who it is. So. Okay. Um, yeah, and, and that's the funny thing is that is that on this one particular uh, message board, which is just flooded with critics of the church. I mean, really rabid critics who are just obsessed in a really, really unhealthy way. I'm not talking about people who are just critical um, of the church. I'm sorry. I've got a cat that I have to get rid of. Do you mind? If oh, it's that's just, fine. I'll, I'll, I'll take I'll, a second here. Sorry for the particular break. A cat decided to be its sociopathic self as well. Um, yes. I'll, I'll look it's not my cat. It's <laughs> of course it's not my a cat. <laughs> Okay, so um, getting back to the, the the issue here is that, that you know this was, this was like a, a you know just a a, a one off joke that that you told is like haha wouldn't this be funny? Not thinking that it's going to get legs, not thinking that anyone's going to be obsessed about this. And so what you have is this this message board with these obsessed people that I was talking about. They went full bore on this thing, trying to track down Richard Nigren. I mean, using 
you know, doing online searches and, and people finding it like, okay, I, I found somebody named Nigrin who lives in Birmingham, but I, I don't think it's the same person. I mean, they just went all in on it. And I legitimately did not expect that after you said it, that anybody was going to really get serious about this. Um, but then what ended up um, happening is that I, my understanding is that there may be some like social media accounts with that name. Or maybe they're just fakes. I, I don't even know what, what this is about, but neither you nor I nor anybody we know has actually gone to the length of creating any social media or any profiles or using photographs of, of African-American individuals. This is not any of our doing. Literally a one-off joke. And yeah. somebody ran with this. Yeah, I don't know who uh, it is. I, I've seen those profiles. I'm pretty sure, and I think like some people will um, rally a bit. It does seem to have been created after the whole Richard Nygren thing as a spoof. Once you kind of realized there was no Richard Nygren and it was probably yeah. some kind of a joke. So, um, uh, you know, honest to God, all I did was just a troll on my podcast, and that's all I did. Um, yeah. As well as in the original note, show notes, I'd said Richard Nygren's blog, uh, Neville Neville Land, you know, just be consistent with what was said. Um, Some told. But yeah. But, but I have to. But then uh, my, my identity, my real identity got, got compromised about, what, two, two three weeks ago. Uh, by one of the people on on these uh, on this particular message board, who you know it took it took them four years. I mean, they were convinced that it was Stephen Smoot for the longest time, and you know, just reams and reams of evidence that it's really Stephen Smoot. Um, and that turned out it was all wrong, and you know, it was just bad opsec operational security on on my part. I, I used my personal Gmail account to create the blogger.com uh, blog that runs. Peter Pan. And so if you look at my, my Gmail profile, if you go to the, the Neville Land blog and you look at any of my comments and it says Peter Pan, it's linked and you click on it, it goes to my blogger profile and the blogger profile says that it's been made private. Well, somebody went to the, uh, the Wayback machine on internet archive and put it in there and found from, you know, 2005 or whatever that it's me, you know, and triumphantly announced, Oh, I figured out who it is. And, you know, so I kind of sat on that. Somebody told me about it and I sat on it and kind of, you know, stewed about it for a few days and then decided, uh, you know what, it's already out. Let's just go ahead and make it official. And so I just went, I went public on my blog and said, yeah, it's, it's me. But where it went after that is just the, just the most bizarre thing, because it's not just that, aha, they unmasked me. Okay. Nice job, guys. You unmasked a guy who was operating a blog that isn't even about you. And I don't even know why you care about it. But then they went on to say, well, he's pretending to be a black man. He's some kind of racist, you know, and he's doing all, he's publishing stuff on social media. And he's, and I'm like, you know, I, and I read this and I'm just like, what? Where in the world is any of this coming from? And there's one particular guy who runs a podcast. I'm not even going to deign to mention his name, who thinks that he's got something on you and I, and I guess he's going to do his podcast and, and you know reveal everything to the world. And I honestly, I'm interested to know what he's got because everything that you and I have just discussed here in the last 10 minutes or so, that's some total. It was a one-off joke. I've never claimed to be African-American. I've never claimed to be Richard Nigren. I've never, if you look at my blog, I have one page that has the phrase Richard Nigren. And it's after all of this went down and I had to explain to the world that there's nothing there. It was just a joke. Yeah. So, but and, in today's uh, climate, you can't joke about race. 
that's part of the problem is that people will destroy you if you make any kind of joke about race. That's that's where, really what this is coming down to. Yeah, and it should be no, you, ne- you have never claimed to be Richard Nygren. I mean, you did query no. me as to why, and I kind of explained. He indicates there that he's kind of in on the racial joke. Mm-hmm. I just want to note that. And again, again, once you understand how closely these guys all work together behind the scenes, he goes, it was just a joke. But in this climate, you can't make racial jokes. Like he's, he's implicating himself as part of that. And I think on some level, whether he created it as Bolin or whether he helped Bolin create it or not. And I actually have my doubts that he originated the idea that Bolin actually did come up with it and go on the show and say it. But the moment it was said, it seems obvious that everyone involved was happy to keep the joke going. Yeah, to keep the yeah, and 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 it wasn't just a one-off thing. They continue this. That they they brought it up. It was he 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 give, tells people to click on the link where they talk about Richard Nygren on his channel. But this is the other thing. It just dawned on me. But he made responses to Jonathan Neville and the lunch invitation afterwards. I I know Mike Parker's told us he was going to be in the live chat. This is the key thing. He was going to be there. He said, I want to give you a heads up. I'll be in there. Richard Nygren was chatting again. He never, and then he never corrects him in the chat. But the second thing is in his responses days after he never even tries to disassociate himself from the lunch invitation from this Richard Nygren. He, he, he doesn't say, by the way, that's Richard Nygren does not speak for me. I don't know who that was. Doesn't do any of that. Mm -hmm. He doesn't do any of that. And what a perfect opportunity for him to have done that, but he didn't. So this is obvious. You can see now they're they're backtracking and they're trying to cover things up and present a, what I would say is a false narrative to, because they realize they done got caught. Yeah, the evidence clearly lays out that they're lying. And so the very first time that Nigrin gets mentioned is in Parker's blog once we tip our cap that we're going public with all of this. And... Then when they do that, there is a conversation between me and the folks in the Discuss Mormonism board where I say, this is going to help me out a bunch. That like the, Him putting out that blog post on Neville Neville Land about Richard Nygren was only helpful to the case we were making. So then they, they must have, you know, sit down and try to figure out what angle, what do we got to do? How do we, how do we, how do we cushion ourselves some more? And then him and his good friend, Robert Bolin are sitting here having a conversation. These guys are always in an echo chamber. They don't want to talk to you and I. They don't want to mention our names even, right? Like they want their audience to only be isolated to their point of view. And they all they all give preferential treatment to each other's ideas as if this is a live, vibrant conversation happening. In reality, it's five guys talking in an echo chamber. In fairness to Mike, I want to say that whenever, because the, he's been critical, critical of me having Jonathan Neville on, on, on my program multiple times on his blog and has probably done at least a half dozen or so. And Spencer Krause has done a couple, but I will say Mike Parker always did leave links for, for people to go to my channel to check it out. So I will say that he, it, to his credit, he did do that. Good. Um, again, it'll be interesting. I think it is absolutely conclusive that Mike, when the things he said in family pawn and the things he said in the text messages to me were not the truth. And it will be interesting to see when this goes public. Uh, again, this is April 11th, 2023. We will likely publish this uh, at the end of this week, uh, just before the weekend. And it will be interesting once they see that they've been absolutely caught red-handed 
it will be interesting to see if they have the kind of character that requires them to no longer say mean things about everybody involved to just go like, look, let's just own it. Like everything I did in this entire situation was not healthy, was not what a good human being does. And I'm just going to sit here and own all of it. And we'll see if that happens or if they try to insulate their audience within that echo chamber and only keep this bullshit narrative going. Okay, let me finish this up. Here comes the rest of it. Meanwhile, it was also like just you like triggers and heartlanders. You are pretty racist at times. Again, as I said, like around that time, there's like at least two instances where like um, they did a racist, shall we say. Um, Oh, can you press pause real quick? Coming to the United States that. um, uh... One thing I also also wanted to say is I I alluded to this earlier because this whole racism and heartlander thing. Okay, and again, this is ironic, of course, um, is. I just want to go on record. I've had Hannah Syriac come on my program when she wrote an article for the Deseret News talking about white nationalism and the Heartlander movement. I had her come on. I also asked that both Rod Meldrum and Wayne May denounce some of the the racism and the racists that are have been involved, attached themselves to the Heartlander movement. Okay, so I'm keen on this. I'm full. My eyes are wide open uh, about this whole race thing. Okay, and I also want to tell you that Jonathan Neville also had concerns about these characters. That have been trying, have been, are involved in this, and there are people involved, and I won't talk to some of these people because of their backgrounds, because of, because of the racial stuff. But I, I, I just want to say that there are people within the Heartlander movement that also are concerned about racism, and they're fighting it too. They keep on trying to tie the two together a little too much in in these conversations. I just want to make it clear and get it out there that there are some really good, decent people in the Heartland movement who abhor racism as well. Yeah, while Bolin started off the conversation saying I could I could see Mike that people were beginning to figure out or people there was a lot of pressure on you and that it yeah. was inevitable that someone's going to figure out where you were I was trying to create cover for you, right? Yeah. It seems like what they're really trying to do is create another narrative where instead of going like, "Oh yeah, like that was racially insensitive what we did." It's like, "No, no, no, it was a joke. Like those are the racists, not us." Yeah. Yeah. And it it's it's really like you pointed out. It's really tone deaf. It well, really think seems. It too. Think what they're doing. We're going to create this African American apologist so that we can help foment racism. We're going to troll the racists and we're going to make them say racist things. Or we, that's what they were trying. That was the goal. Yeah. Was to so they're literally actually going to help foment racism as well by doing that by 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 actually um, adding fuel to the fire. I mean, think about right. That. If the second motivation is true, and again, it. it it doesn't cross off the first motivation, which Bolin is self-admitted at the beginning of that conversation. But if the second motivation is true, it's a deeply unhealthy way to try to attack racism. Yeah, totally. Okay, let's... Uh, and this is actually from Ryan Nelson, who blogs for the Firm Foundation on Book of Mormon Evidence dot, um, org, dot com, dot org. I can't remember off the top of my head now. Um, Ed, Ed made, he, he believes in a lot of very interesting things, um, massive conspiracy theorists, you know, that, that COVID's a conspiracy. There's a big Jewish banking conspiracy and, you know, he believes all the conspiracies and he made a couple of different blog posts about, um, you, you know, it, it, immigrants, illegal immigrants coming from Central America that, you know, if they were supposed to be here, God would make a way for them to come here. Just some really borderline, you know, this is not cool. Kind of stuff when you know the church just announced i think their sixth temple in guatemala you know and, and the church officially supports not this is 
their actual standpoint is, is they do not want to see families here in the United States who are here illegally. They do not want to see families broken up and people deported back to uh, places or, you know, Mexico, Guatemala, El Salvador, uh, wherever it is. They do not support that. They would rather have people stay here uh, and, and try to gain citizenship and keep families intact. Um, and so, you know, what Ryan Nelson said was just, whoa, okay. And I blogged about it at the time, just like, this is a little bit kind of disturbing. And so part of what you said was, yeah, in reaction to that. But, you know, if they're going to go off on this sort of racial angle, you know, maybe we need to, you know, make a little joke about, you know. <laughs> yeah. And of course, like, if you ever, and if you ever seen the movie, The Pretenders, the Irish are the blacks of Europe. So it's okay. Uh, that, that's a joke, by the way. Um, well, no, it, it, it really is true. When when Irish uh, immigrants came to the United States in the late 19th century, early 20th century, yep. they were looked upon as being the, the blacks of Europe. I mean, they were considered, but, you know, many people actually openly question, are they actually, uh, you know, black by, are they racially black? And and it was, it, it, you know, we look back at that and we think about how bizarre that concept is, but that's how people thought 125 years ago. Uh, you know, uh, it's, it's very strange. Yeah, but the TLD or is like uh, the TLD or the whole Richard Nygren. It is like it was a spoof. Some people fell for it and did think there was a Richard Nygren. Um, <laughs> I remember like him. Krauss actually told me like uh, he once messaged me. I think uh, or the other way around, and we informed the others like, oh cool, Neville actually referenced like a Richard who runs the uh, Neville Neville ad and blog and stuff like that. So that that was funny because that was the intended goal and also to throw off heat from yourself and um, the like. But yeah. it's kind of a he does it again. It was also done to throw heat off of yourself. They're showing their cards. You guys, you got to own this. You're going to have to come clean. Otherwise, it, your image is tainted forever. You, you have to show a different way of doing apologetics. The old way of doing it, the way that I've watched for a decade, that, that just doesn't mind doing deception and dishonesty, um, it, it, it doesn't work. You might protect a few testimonies, but um, when people figure out that you lied to them and you were deceptive about who you were and what your motivations are, they are forever betrayed by you. Uh, anyway, I just want to point out, he, he said it again. He wants to make this a racial joke, but he also said it was to give cover again. Amazing how it's really um, being blown of a proportion and then some in recent weeks. Uh, so... Although I'm not going to lie to you, I do look forward to the uh, podcast you're actually trying to uh, pronounce my actual name, not the anglicized name I use. So that'll be very interesting. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm looking at the name you have on the screen, and I can't even begin to pronounce that. I'll, there you go. How do you and say I'm, it? Uh, I'll, I'll let the podcast you try first, because apparently it's a microaggression and uh, bigotry not to be able to like pronounce a foreigner's actual name. <laughs> okay. Thank you. You know, and isn't it crazy that you won't tell someone how to pronounce your name, but if they don't get it right, then you're going to claim a microaggression. And it seems like a way to create a, a distraction in this really, I think, important conversation about what we're disclosing here about these guys to make it like they're, like they're going to come out watch, watch it happen. They're going to come out after we show this video and he's going to make a point about how Bill's a jerk because he can't pronounce my name right. It's some racial microaggression to do that which again, I, w I welcome. I actually went and looked up trying to figure out how to pronounce the name. There is a one website and I'll put it in the links where it does share like 
several spellings of the name and several pronunciations of the name, but there wasn't one consistent one for me to, to give. And again, he's the one who's put out Robert Bolin uh, as his name. And so I'm going to do the best I can, just like I did with Kwaku in the beginning. As soon as I'm corrected, I will do my best to get it right. But it seems like such a distraction to make that a point. Anyway. I'm absolutely certain that after hearing this, there's going to be people who, you know, already just detest uh, what you and I believe and uh, and detest the, the church and its leaders and Joseph Smith and the gospel who are not going to be pacified by any of this and who are just oh, going to yeah. claim that, see, this is just evidence of, you know, what what, what bigots they are and what racists they are. And, and this is just, honestly, it's just part of how unhinged the discussion about race has become in in America. And, and part of it may have to do with the fact that being from Ireland in a recent, uh, you know, coming here to the United States, I, I don't know if racial sensitivities are like that in, in Ireland, but it's the United States is just a powder keg right now where you can't even say the slightest thing indicating anything about race in any way that is not even negative, but just different or, or whatever, or even, you know, even an inoffensive joke without being just ripped shreds by people. And, you know, I'm, I don't, I'm not a racist. I don't believe in, in treating people differently because of race. I've always treated people with kindness because I believe that people are individuals, that they're children of God, regardless of what their skin color is, what their country of origin is, what their ethnicity is. I, I just, I simply don't hold to any of these collectivist views of, uh, you know, that, that some people are better than others uh, just because of their, you know, ethnic origin or whatever. I, I think it's a load of crock. Yeah. But we live in a world today where that's becoming pretty much the foundation of our society is. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And racism is everywhere. Yeah. And I'm waiting. It's like, um, you know, and I'm pretty, uh, and I'm being pretty consistent over the years, and I've mentioned this a number of times. But I apologize. Like I actually believe the temple and priestly restriction to be based on 19th century racism was a mistake. So no, um, you know, yeah. uh, you know, you're not going to find like a white nationalist who's actually in, in the church who's actually ever going to say that. So yeah, there you go. But uh, yeah, I thought we kind of nipped that in the bud. Um, although you know, idiots will be That's, idiots, and no matter what, it's just fanning the flames, probably. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, you're just going to know they're going to clip some of this and kind of take it out of context, including your uh, little uh, PowerPoint for next week or whatever. But um, I'm kind of more bleak here as to how that will go down. But no, that be does make. But uh, uh, Mike, uh, we've actually been on for. We didn't cut any clips. We played yeah. the whole segment of Richard Nygren. You're welcome to go. I'll put it in the links. You're welcome to go watch the whole thing. The rest of it doesn't pertain to the particular creation of Nygren. It's more of a setup. And then they finish with some closing comments but nothing about Nigrin again. So I just yep. want to say a few things about the critics. First of all, I love the church. I go, went on Mormon stories and talked about how, the, how Mormonism saved my life. Also, they, they both identify as libertarian. I have uh, identified as libertarian as well. So I, I, uh, you can't say that I'm some kind of leftist, uh, progressive hater of the church. I'm neither uh, any of those. I'm a, I'm a friend of the church. And, uh, and I'm a friend of the people, more importantly, of the restoration. That's what this channel has all been about, is about building bridges and, 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 and being a peacemaker. You know, I mean, I've even kind of mediated disputes, Bill, you know, where, where you trusted me, you know, and, and, and as well. And so I, I really, truly just try to be a fair person. And, and also the most important thing is about the truth and transparency and, 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 and human decency. 
And as a Christian, I just have to call out that I, I look, see, I just tell people, I say, I don't care what church you go to. I just want to see, do I see the fruits of the spirit? I want to know in any of the, what we saw, any of the actions, any of the, anything that we saw, how they, uh, you know, go misrepresent, they, they mislead their audience. They, they're, they're playing these games. They think it's really funny. I can't think of one instance where I see the fruits of the spirit manifest in any of their activities and in dealings in this matter. So as a Christian, I'm also calling you out because I think that's really important that you guys look in the mirror and think about that. I want you guys to pray about this. I want you to look in the mirror and I just want you to go and say, you know, maybe I need to repent. And this is the other thing. This is the beautiful thing about Christianity, man. The beautiful thing about Christianity is that there's forgiveness. And I, as a Christian, am more than happy to, if you guys are willing to say you're sorry and just repent of your actions, and repent means to turn away. We're just going to turn away from these actions. We're going to go down a different path. And I'll be the first to forgive you. And more importantly, I know that Heavenly Father will as well. So I think it's just important that as a Christian, I just, you know, talk to them on that level too. Yeah. We're coming up on like two and a half, a little over two hours and 40 minutes. I want to try to wrap this up, but, but they accused us. They said we were going to cut up clips and take everything out of context. We didn't do that. We played the whole thing. Uh, I don't think there's anything that we needed to do. Like, I think it's so plain to people who are watching this, this obfuscation and dishonesty that, I don't have a need to paint a new narrative. This we're the ones I think who are telling the truth on this issue, but it is important to note that they actually did cut out a clip uh, and we'll play that right now. But about this same time, um, Spencer Krause is getting ready to publish his reviews in interpreter of two of Jonathan Neville's books. And he offered as kind of a lighthearted, uh, sort of humorous thing in his acknowledgments at the bottom that he was going to thank several people. And he mentioned me by name, you know, thank so and so and so and so and Mike Parker for this. And I also thank the pseudonymous Peter Pan who operates the Neville Neville End blog, you know? And so this was kind of a ha ha sort of a joke, but also, you know, maybe a light way of kind of just throwing people off the scent. It's another admittance of throwing people off the scent. These guys were all working together to give cover to a white apologist by blaming a black fictional character in Birmingham, Alabama. And they still to this moment don't get why that might be wrong. Uh, Mike Parker came into Family Pond. Let me play that audio one more time. So you're, so you're saying, saying, saying that he called you a racist online? online? Yes. He claimed that I, I operate a blog and claimed that I've been using a pseudonym, Richard Nigren, who is supposedly a black man that I've been claiming to be a black man using a black man. Huh. And I have no idea what he's talking about. Uh, he never said anything like that, but he said some really awful things about me in his Facebook post. And... and then I want to put this up again. I've never claimed Anywhere else on I've never you've never heard such a claim from me on the Neville Land blog or anywhere else online. You appear to be relying on uh, garbled claims of Doctor Scratch, the thinnest of evidence, false innuendo, and gossip. I have nothing to do with it and have never claimed to be Nigran or anything like that. Defamatory to my good reputation in this community. I don't know anyone named Richard Nigran. 
he see before this all gets out, he doesn't know that it's going to be as clear to people that this, that there's this much evidence and it can be shown this clearly. And he obviously wants to hold to a story that he's just got nothing to do with this and doesn't even know what this is about. Um, but again, it's a lack of honesty and good character on my part, uh, which I just find to be so strange. Um, but again, it also isn't strange. Like I've been watching these guys do things this way for forever, to be honest. Um, all right, let me put up, let me scoot ahead here just a little bit. So contradictions in Parker's story. He claimed in family pawn audio to be clueless to who Richard Nygren was admitted later to clearly knowing when, where, and why Nygren was created. Why was Parker so desperate to completely detach the invention of Nygren from himself that he lied over and over again about it? Two, Parker claims he couldn't discuss Nygren prior to his Peter Pan persona being exposed as Mike Parker as it would be confusing. Why would it be confusing? No explanation here makes sense outside of explanations that acknowledge, acknowledge complicitness and valuing protecting his friend over being honest. Also note he had multiple chances to discuss Nygren after being exposed but doesn't and even lies about it until I began pressing him saying there was evidence being di- that was discovered. Number three, why does Parker recommend his blog in a way as to give weight to being Nygren on one occasion and on another answers a question directed specifically at Richard Nygren while failing to correct the record? Number four, why does Parker fail to correct the Nygren story even as someone is posting as Nygren in a live show that he is present for in the chat? Number four, why is Parker contradicting himself over and over with multiple lies in an effort to obfuscate his involvement and to refrain from telling the people the truth all along the way in regards to what he knew and when he knew it until it becomes obvious that he had been caught? Does all that seem, that all seems obvious, doesn't it, Steve? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So just a note, and I actually had more things I could have added to this, but we'll finish up here. These guys, Peterson and Smoot, on a minor level, gave cover to this Nygren story. Bolin and Kraus were uh, deeply uh, invested in helping uh, Mike Parker stay hidden and had no problem on multiple occasions uh, helping that occur. Uh, These guys all know each other. They're all connected. They all, behind the scenes, are... uh, rubbing shoulders on this issue of the Heartlanders versus the Mesoamerica. Uh, all of them are on the record of trying to provide cover for Mike Parker. And none of them seem to understand the implications of what they did um, to, to uh, the segment of people who are of color. Parker seems unwilling to recognize he was an absolute fool for going into family pond and saying things because he was getting caught and trying to paint the story as if he didn't know anything about Richard Nygren. Um, and it's interesting that none of these guys want to talk. None of these guys want to go on the record with someone like you or me. They just want to talk to each other and pretend that that solves the issue. Um, I just put here, Daniel C. Peterson denies knowing Richard Nygren. It admits knowing Parker's Peter Pan approximately two years before the public did. Peterson suggests the similarity between Nygren and Nordberg. Stephen Smoot told Steve Pinecker he knew who Peter Pan was, but also helped give weight to the obfuscation, giving weight to Nygren. Mike Parker posted under... The anonymous moniker Peter Pan, once Boland proposed Nygren, Parker on two occasions seemingly accepted the understanding that he was Nygren. Spencer Krauss on an academic, actually on two academic papers, 
uh, again, to his view, his he would view those as academic, seems to credit both Peter Pan and Mike Parker in a way that suggests he was familiar with both. That last piece of audio cut out seems to confirm that. Splitting one source into two sources on an academic paper to help cover up seems unethical. And Robert Bolin, the first to propose Nigren, refuses to explain how he learned of Nigren. Obviously, he does that here. Seems unable or unwilling to untangle himself from Nigren. He now accepts full blame. He's willing to be the fall guy on the creation of it. But again, I think I think all five of these men owe an apology, but certainly Bolin, uh, Kraus, and Parker to a deeper extent for their involvement in this whole fiasco. Uh, any thoughts there from you? That's the last slide. Well, I just want to thank you. Uh, you know, I wasn't, uh, dude. You know, when this all came out, when this I started putting the pieces together after Mormonism, I'm not Mormonism Live after a backyard professor. Mm-hmm. I was just like, I, I actually got, I was getting angry and upset. And I was actually messaging people and telling them I was as I was putting the pieces together, I'm messaging people and telling them this is oh no, I just can't believe what I'm just putting together here. And then you got in touch with me and I didn't know what I was going to do with this information. I was just going to kind of hold on to it because I was like, I don't know if I want to even I don't know how to do this. I don't know what to do. And then you reached out to me because you 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 all of a sudden he kind of (laughs) he made me an enemy. Yeah. Yeah. And and so then I thought, well, okay, this this is what it this information needs to get out here because when you start crossing lines like that, and then we can, if you piece, piece all this together, it's, it's, it's amazing. And I'm just so actually shocked that they left so much information out there. I think there was a, there was this, I think a lot of them in one sense feel like they're the smartest man in the room. And I think sometimes when you think that you're really, really smart, um, you, you think you can get away with things. And I was just shocked that all this information was still up there after even everything was exposed. That was so mind blowing to me. And so that, that to me is, it just goes to show guys, come on. I love you all. I really, I really hope and pray that you could just see the air of your ways. And again, I, I, I extend, I extend the olive branch to all of you. you all know how to get a hold of me. You can talk to me as well. I'm being bored and happy to chat. I just don't want to make this into this battle Royale. I just want us to actually have civil conversations, which is what I'm all about. Yeah. And we will all get to see if some sort of game just continues to get played. So they could, they could, Steve, just go completely silent, which is actually what I expect them to do. They're not going to address it because I think it's pretty conclusive, the dishonesty and deception that went on in this fiasco. But what if they really want to do as you say and repent, if they really do believe in trying to be the best Christian they can be, and they really want to kind of correct this, and they now sense like, damn it, we we are completely caught. Let's do the right thing. Then they would have to, number one, they would have to, Mike would have to apologize, I think, to me. Again, not that that's the number one priority. I want to go through these in order of actually the minor to the most serious. But he apologized to me because you went into family pawn under false pretenses in order to get me to back off exposing what was actually true about what you did. So I, I think I deserve an apology and I, and I'll, I'll see if that happens. I think number two, you owe your audience an apology. You owe the discuss Mormonism board an apology, essentially anyone who read and listened to these conversations, who was strung along believing falsely that you were uh, Richard Nigren. Um, you owe them an apology and, and folks, and it goes for all five of you, but specifically Parker and Bolin. Um, Kraus, you certainly owe an apology for treating uh, a professional spaces in the way that you did. 
in order to help give cover up. And then most importantly, Bolin and Parker, uh, and to a lesser extent, Peterson and Smoot, you owe an apology to the, to the black community uh, for having created a fictional black man and perpetuated it because you've done one or the other. Bolin created it. Parker, to a large extent, even though he was silent on the matter, the times he's silent and where the connections are made, it becomes absolutely obvious that he's perpetuating that persona. And then Smoot and Peterson for giving some weight to it in comments of blogs. The four of you owe an apology to the black community for having allowed and perpetuated the creation of a black fictional apologist so that white guys, so that five white dudes could have some cover, specifically Mike Parker, in the things that they say, in the things that they promote. You've got, again, you can do whatever you want, and I don't expect you to do it, but a rational, reasonable human being would go, damn it, I'm caught. This doesn't look good. It's probably time that I just come completely clean and, and have kind of a coming to Jesus moment and change my ways. Okay. Anything else? Otherwise, I'll end it. I think that uh, did you want? Did you have any more slides to show? Were you going to do that? That's that's all the slides. Okay. Um, that's everything. All right. Well, hey, thanks. Uh, this was very interesting. This was uh, sobering. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, 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 we took a lot of time here, but I think it was important for us to kind of lay this whole thing out. I want to commend you on the tremendous work that you did on this. Yeah. You really grabbed this by the once you realized and made the connections that I told you about, then you realize, oh, OK, I get it now because I tried to explain this to other people and they didn't get it. It clicked for you. That's why I came here. This is I didn't specifically go to Bill Real and say, let's do this. You came to me. We started talking and it naturally uh, just very organically became this. OK. Yeah. And so I, I didn't because well, so he went on an anti-Mormon show. I said, no, Bill Real came to me. And we, we, we both help put the pieces together. So this yeah. is a collaboration between the two of us. As you all know, I have some very, I've had Brent Gardner on my program. I've had very faithful conservative Mormons on. I've had progressive Mormons on. I work with everybody. And Bill Real was the one that wanted to work with me. So I worked with Bill. And that's all yeah. that it is. And you were instrumental. Tons of this evidence came uh, from things you had accumulated. And I don't know that we could have put this together in any way that was, obviously them speaking towards the end in the blog and in the videos helped a great deal. Yeah. To show that they're contradicting themselves. But without these things that you submitted uh, to this conversation, I wouldn't have had enough to, to go anywhere with it. And so I appreciate you as well. Thank you, Steve. And uh, I'm excited for the entire community on all sides to yeah. to see this. Uh, and I would I'm, I'm more than happy to see how Mike and his crew reconciles this, but I don't think it's possible. Well, that's the balls in your court, guys. Um, yeah. But before you do anything, honestly, as a Christian, just pray. Please pray first and then and, and, and see where this goes. I, I don't want to make this into a war of words. I really don't. Yeah. I, I want us to, I'm a peacemaker, but I also think that truth and integrity are very they important. Yeah. And and those that those those are really important. And when people are doing things that are deceptive and not they're misleading, it has to be exposed. I hate to be the one that had to do it, but I guess I was about the only person on the planet that could do it, along yeah. with Bill's help. Yep. Okay. Have a great day, my friend. See ya. Give me just a second here. I'm going to remove all that.